go around and look at these experts these days talking about moon and tide. Let me tell you, tide doesn't matter. When you're sitting on a chunk for 20 hours, you're gonna fish every tide cycle twice. And if you're going out and you're fishing every night like you should be, you're gonna be fishing every moon phase anyway. Don't give me any of this Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin shit, Mars lunar landing, nobody cares. Go out there and throw your chunk. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I am your host, Gus Manti. We got a really, really special guest on here tonight that uh, we are really looking forward to having on. I just got to meet him in person at the Milwaukee Muskie Expo. Got Brian Schaefer on here, a expert of northern Wisconsin, been guiding for I believe he said like 30 years and uh, he's got a lot of knowledge and, you know, it's just great having him on the podcast. But before I get any further, let's introduce the other hosts on here tonight. Part of the Mott crew we got. Uh, we'll go first off. We got another than Max Manti. How are you doing tonight, Max? Good. I uh, was uh, <clears throat> really enjoyed our interview with Brian tonight. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed as well. Um, you know, been watching him on Keys Outdoors now for quite some time. So to actually be able to sit down and chat with him in person was a pretty sweet experience. Um, but yeah, other than that, things are going good. Looking forward to our ice fishing weekend coming up here that we'll touch on after the interview. I'm excited for uh, a few shows, um, musky shows in my future. Haven't been to one yet this year. So yeah, got a, got some things to look forward to to get us through this uh, last hopeful last stretch of winter. And, uh, of course, I'm always just as excited to see the best guy, our guy, Brian Eckel, joining us here tonight on the pod. Brian, how are we doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I appreciate the warm welcome, as always. I uh, had a blast talking to Brian. Um, he's just a plethora of knowledge on Northwoods, Wisconsin muskies and muskies in general. Um, definitely would like to hook up with him at some point this year. Hey, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll rephrase that. Definitely would like to meet him at some point this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, looking forward to our ice fishing derby this weekend. Um, Max is a defending champ, sadly, uh, but not for too much longer. He's got about, what, three, four more days to really, you know, hype himself and his boys up. You already know Gus and I are coming for that trophy, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit at the end. Um, so yeah, Gus, what else did you take away from the expo this weekend? Well, at, at the expo, I had, I had a blast, absolute blast meeting a whole bunch of people and getting to chat with some familiar faces as well. You know, it was my first ever Milwaukee Muskie Expo experience. Only ever been to the Wausau show, but a good friend, uh, Clayton Spies and I went down. We, uh, we carpooled down cause we were both in the, uh, the seminar on Saturday morning. Um, we had a great time in that. That was a guide panel with, with, uh, Clayton myself. And then also our good friend, Peter Blickards. Um, he also does the PMTT trail with his dad. He guides in the Eagle river area as well. Um, so yeah, we had a really good time there. Good showing, uh, great questions that the crowd asks, you know, we just said overall had a really good time. 
like I said, met a bunch of people at the show. Uh, this one, since I'm going to two other shows, I kind of tried to keep it not too crazy and really only buy the essentials on base. What'd you get? What'd you get? And... Tell us what you got. What was the haul? All right. All right. All right. The haul, the haul was, uh, so I got some leaders and a whole bunch of some blades and skirts and, and bait making or bucktail making materials from leaders and lures, you know, chatted with Gene, the owner, and he's a really awesome dude. Love what he's doing. Love the leaders that he has, you know, got those 49 strand, uh, leaders for all of our, mainly our rubber baits. So that was one haul there. Picked up another SRJ, some extra hooks, uh, got the new Lake Edition Baby Beaver, which you saw that was our bait of the week that Max just put out uh, a few days ago when this pod drops. Um, man, I think some I, f- I found some cranes there at the show. Picked up a couple cranes. Can never have too many of those. Um, I think at TRO I got a drop tying growler at spinnerbait, that small little one with the single eight blade or something like that. You know, I've been watching fifty four bust and those guys have been smoking fish on those so i figured to pick it up you know spinner baits aren't too expensive so it was nice to just pick up one maybe throw in the rotation here early season or in weeds or something so looking forward to that i think that was it for bait hauls for purchases but did get to uh get did get to see brett wingfield who was just on the previous podcast he actually uh he actually showed up on saturday i believe it was and he had a little uh a little bait drop for us to uh to check out for the year he had a he had a bofin a bofin junior so i finally got to see one in person and that thing just looks gorgeous uh it was painted like a kind of like a largemouth bass olive olive and white color with a little bit of gold in it it was pretty cool i really can't wait to throw that thing one of his diving rise, one of his like mid to large sized one, you know, with a little adjustable weight in the middle too, that you can, you know, screw in, screw out. So that thing is going to be pretty sick to uh, throw. And, and he was also touching on the last podcast that he custom paints tubes. And I didn't even know he was bringing this, but he got, uh, I got a, like a custom painted crappie color, 10 inch red October. And man, does that thing look freaking gorgeous man it's that thing is gonna get chewed 100 percent. that'll hunt that'll hunt um hope i'm not forgetting anything i think i just rambled everything off do you, do you guys remember me sending you anything else no sounds like it was a productive trip down there and got some cool new baits met some folks sounds like uh, some listeners were able to <clears throat> chat with you as well so that's always cool uh, meeting some people in person, sold some hats, and yep. uh, should be should be another good show here coming up soon too. And uh, was the next one's in Minneapolis, Minnesota show. Yep, yep, that one is. Uh, let me get out the dates for everybody. I think that's March eighth to the tenth, and I'm gonna okay. be there all three days again, uh, just like Milwaukee and just like Wausau. And uh, with that one, I'm probably gonna be. You know, I, I, I won't be walking around as much like the Milwaukee, which I think seemed to be a more difficult way of me, of people finding me. But I think at uh, Minneapolis, I'm going to be hanging out in the TRO booth 
uh, Team Rhino Outdoors. So that'll be that'll be the place to find me in case you're, uh, you know, walking around and looking looking for myself or or Max. Max will be walking around at least one or two of those days, rocking some mot mot uh, mot gear. But yeah, looking forward to that one. And I think uh, with that being said, you know, we'll do some more uh, show recaps and 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 uh, such like that when the next ones come about. But without further ado, let's get right into that interview with Brian Schaefer. All right, everybody here on the line with us tonight, we got Brian Schaefer up in northern Wisconsin, the Viles Oneida County area. Uh, just got to meet Brian in person at the Milwaukee Muskie Expo. So, Brian, how are you doing tonight? Hey, man, I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we had a good time there, Gus. It was fun. Great meeting you, yep. too. Yep. Yeah, yes, we did. Yeah, we uh, we chatted some some stuff up at the show and then we uh and uh and later on too so oh yeah <laughs> yeah it was a good night yeah, yeah. Was share, share some beer together or what a couple yeah yep, a couple <laughs> we had yeah, a few a couple, five, couple dis- discussions and <laughs> some oh, about fishing good. some about hunting but yeah yeah all good yeah. that's awesome how's the drive back yeah, on sunday time. morning that wasn't bad. Actually, it was Sunday evening because I had to work all day Sunday, and then we tear everything down, which takes about two hours, and then I finally got on the road. So I got on the road about three thirty-four. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. And you were working the Muskie Innovations booth the whole weekend, right? Yeah. 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 I was nice. at Muskie Innovations. So. Sweet. Well, uh, before we maybe get into your background, how was the uh, quad dog? I know I talked about that with you a little bit, but did you uh did you use that a little bit last year in the boat? Yeah, I was lucky enough to get my hands on them last year, and uh, we put yeah, five six fish in the boat on it, a um, couple decent fish. So, so it's, it's a nice bait. Pushes a lot of water. I like the new custom colors he has. You know, we had the original batch. He changed it just a little bit since I had them, but um, caught quite a few quite a few fish that we ended up catching on them were after dark. So. Just mm. kind of like a slow pump with a little pull to it, and it just pushes so much water. So it's a great bait. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's what you're describing to me, and and I think, I think when we get a couple, that's probably what we'll use it for because it sounds like it it pulls pretty damn hard. You said it pulls it, like harder than a pounder, pretty much. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it casts okay, but she pulls a little harder than a pounder. You know that pounder. You just lob them out there, and they actually come in pretty decent, you know, with the right equipment and everything. But uh, with those four tails, it's it's a bucket. You're pulling against the bucket, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's pushing water. I I would like to hear it underwater and really hear what it sounds like. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but anyways, um, I'm sure we'll talk about baits and stuff more tonight, but uh. Maybe for the listeners who, for some reason, don't know who you are, if you want to just give a, a quick background, um, if you want to start from the beginning, how you, you got into muskie fishing, definitely go right ahead. But, you know, 
how you got to where you are and your, your guide service and some of the other stuff. I know you film with keys, you've done some tournaments as well. So there's a, there's a long list. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Well, right now I'm, uh, Right between Monaco and Tomahawk, I guide uh, Oneida, Lincoln, and Vilas, a little bit in Vice. Actually, quite a bit in Vilas, just not towards your area, more uh, west and north. Um, but I basically started off down in Pewaukee. I started guiding down in Pewaukee. Oh, it's going to make me sound old, but about almost 30 years ago now, 20 years ago. So I guided about three years on Pewaukee and um, moved up here and been guiding the Northwoods ever since then. So what got and, you to head, head north? Um, I was just spending a lot of time up here and uh, a job kind of brought me up this direction. So I moved up here and just started guiding part time up here. And I, that's how I moved me up here. I'd say about 28 years ago, I came up here through the job and I, I just loved it up here. You know, Pewaukee was really good at the time down there, but um, totally different world up here. Were you doing and, like any trips and stuff with buddies prior to moving up there? That kind of got you introduced. Oh to yeah, the area? I was up okay. all the time every weekend. Yeah, every weekend. And then when the chance came to move up here, you know, I jumped right on it. So yeah, I'm a transplant up here, but you know, after twenty <laughs> something years, you know, almost thirty years, I feel like a local. So <laughs> I yeah, I mean, it's it's. I always am really excited to talk to people that have been fishing this area for a long time, just because. I think my biggest curiosity always is like how it's changed or if it's changed, you know, from when you were doing trips with buddies back in the day to like, you know, what, what you're seeing out there now. I mean, has it, has it changed relatively or has it stayed somewhat the same? I mean, no, it's definitely changed. Definitely changed. Yeah, definitely. Certain waters actually, I think actually gotten a little better and, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. and some waters not quite so much. Um, I would say the sizes have came up. The numbers and action are a little lower, which I guess is expected for the number of fishermen that are fishing now compared to back then too, you know? So so you go out there and you might only see a boat all weekend or something. Now you might see 10. And if guys are catching (laughs) fish, those are quite a few fish you're not going to catch or see too. So, (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, I, that's good to hear that, you know, maybe on, on average, the size is a little better. Um, you know, when you were, when you were fishing it back in the day, I mean, obviously I'm sure the techniques have kind of changed for you. Was it, I mean, were you just going there burning shorelines and doing that? Oh, whole for deal, sure. Or you, okay. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Same, you know, the twitch bitch, twi- twitch baits along the shoreline, uh, bucktails, topwater, you know, all the basics right along the shoreline going, you know, I wasn't, uh, sitting out in the, in the depths, pounding away. I've learned a lot, you know, sure. musky fishing's came a long way since 25 30 years ago so yeah i feel like we're slowly figuring out what these things try to do oh yeah it's that seems like you guys are right on it (laughs) yeah with um with going into like technology and stuff what was the first unit that you had like when when did you get like that first was it gps or was it like a 2d or no i had a flasher a flasher. flashers yeah yeah i had an old lawn my first boat was like an old fiberglass lawn i forgot you'd see them like on old uh lenders shows yeah. the tan lawn yep and i i made it my dad helped me make it into like a, a flat uh casting deck up on the front there that was my very first boat and then i went to tuffy and i started working with those guys and i ran through tuffies and then now i was 
Then I went over the Ranger, ooh, pushing maybe 20 years ago. Worked with him for a while, and and I'm still in the Ranger now. So, so, so when you were like fishing back in the day with with that tech, and then as things kind of started to progress, like obviously I'm sure there's been some lakes that have stayed in your rotation for a long time. Like, did you start to figure out stuff on, you know, lakes you've been fishing for 20 years? All of a sudden, like, holy shit, I didn't realize there was a, you know, mid lake bar out here. Or... Did you kind of have it mostly dialed when you were, you know, fishing them back in the day? And well, you think you did, right. but we really <laughs> yeah. didn't compare to you know what we know now and everything. <laughs> yeah, you thought you know you the lake really well. You knew the weed lines. You know where the weeds were. But yeah, as far as main lake humps, you know, old timers would tell you, yeah, there's a hump out there. You'd cruise around for 20 <laughs> minutes trying to find this hump and finally find it. You know, and that was before GPS. And then once you got GPS, you could at least put a dot there. And I used to have like, it was like a small ha- handheld size one, you know, that we'd put right next to the flasher or the little uh, Lowrance, you know, a small 2D Lowrance, put it right by it and say, oh, wow, we got this now. I felt pretty special. So. <laughs> it's funny because like, we have a neighbor that lives close to us on the Eagle River chain and he was like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a great fishing spot out close to my, my dock because there's a bunch of cribs out there. And we're like, oh, no, no shit. All right. Well, we'll go check it out. And now, like, with the live scope and side imaging and stuff, we're, you know, running around. We're like, there's no freaking cribs out here. He's lying. <laughs> yeah. He meant 15 years ago. They're gone now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just funny what you can kind of dig up. I mean, I remember when we first Gus, got our, we got that first side imaging unit. I don't know. We got like that Garmin, uh, whatever it was. And we found, we saw that we found that boat. Like yeah, clear as day, a there was like a boat. Yeah. and we were like, "Holy shit!" Like that's there, and we, we we've been burning bucktails over that area for years, and we never even knew like there was a full on just rig down there at the bottom of the. Yeah, lake. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just remember because we used to stay at on the Eagle River chain when I was younger too, and uh, I would take the little rowboat out and I would just drift cast along the shoreline cast back up drift cast and i remember this first, first boat that came with a trolling motor came by me and i was like oh my god if i had one of those the fish i could catch yeah oh, yeah yeah well, that's how we'd feel fishing off our dock when we were young kids we'd be throwing bucktails off the dock for hours at the same freaking spot and you know some guy would come through with his ranger and they would have three guys throwing back into us we're like god if only we had that and we'd be right. we'd be on them you know and it's just kind of funny to think we used to just sit there and mindlessly fan cast at the same weed bed for hours and just waiting for one to swim by or get hungry or whatever and you know exactly. how, things, how things have changed what so what are you running now what's your what's your setup as far as electronics uh yeah boat wise oh, well, i have a, a ranger 621 and then electronic wise, I have two hummingbirds and a Garmin. I got 360 side imaging and then the Garmin with live and, you know, GPS and the works on there. So I pretty much, pretty much got it loaded down. Sure. Nice. You like that three, you like that 360? I love the 360. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. When I'm guiding, I can just keep the boat. When I guide, I don't fish. So. I keep it on and I can just steer that boat just casting distance away from weeds coming. I can turn it and just keep us right in that perfect casting range, you know? Yeah. I, I, I got to see the 360 firsthand this past summer for the first time fishing with Clayton, who you met Brian at, at the show. Oh yeah. Um, and I, 
it was awesome to look at. I would freaking hope that Garmin, because we just run only Garmin's, but like, you know, last year I was on the fence of getting just a small Humminburn unit just for a 360. Sure. I was, I mean, if Hummin or if Garmin could make that, that would be cool. It was, uh, it seemed helpful. We were able to track fish that were swimming around the boat that, you know, without having to do the old freaking thing with the, you know, the pole on live where people say, oh, you can right. find they leave it well the 360 you don't have to touch anything you just it just keeps rotating around and you know if they stay by the boat you know where they are right and and we've seen fish you know off on sand in front of us you know because like on your side imaging you're already past them so you got to cast back at them which ain't the end of the world but now you can see them in front of you also and cast at them and it just tells you a lot having them all together is just the full package you know I, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen one really in person. Is it is it to the point where you can like pick them out of a weed bed and be able to tell when they're in front of the boat, or is it a little bit harder when there's you know cover? It the depends water? how deep they are in the weeds. If they're higher in the weeds, you can pick them out. Um, but if they're out in the sand, they just stand there like a sore thumb, just like your side imaging. You know, you can see their shadows. It's the same. And I got the mega. I got all the graphs, so they just stand out. So and it all depends on your. Uh, you know, even like your side imaging and everything, your transducer guys always like, what your, what's your setting on? What settings are you using on that? And it really doesn't. I mean, it does matter, but it's all in your transducer placement, you know, and, and how you have it set. Just keep playing with that transducer and you're going to get the perfect picture. And that's on your trolling motor, I assume? That one's on my trolling motor, yeah. I'm using a, because um, I have a Trova, so I'm using that crappie. Oh, boy. Got me there. There's an adapter that goes on the Trova. Okay. I can't think of the name of it right now, but. Gotcha. So how, how was the, uh, <clears throat> the season for you? I was following you along on Instagram pretty closely and Facebook and whatnot. And it seemed like a good year. Um, but how was 2023 for you? Uh, it was, it was decent. I mean, roller coaster, you know, it started off really hot. Um, I'm not a huge poster, so I, <laughs> social media, I need a little help on. I hear from my other side here that I need to post more and uh, <laughs> I'm going to try doing a little more next year, but um, yeah, it was decent. I mean, we had some incredible days and caught quite a few big fish, but we also had some of the worst days too. I mean, some really piss poor days where we didn't even see a fish all day and we'd hit like three different lakes. And at the end, I'm like, okay, we're going on numbers lake just to put some fish in the border, just to get some action. And we went there and nothing. So yeah, it was pretty rough. Couple of days, you know. That's, but all in all, it was decent. They, you know, they usually are. You got to take the good with bad. Right. So, yeah. I don't care who you are. You're going to have some bad days. They're there. <laughs> yep, oh. that's for sure. We ha- we've had them in any. I mean, I've had them while guiding. I've had them fishing with mm-hmm. these guys right here. I've had them. We've had them in in the tournament scene before, but. uh you're saying that the it started off hot do you mean that you like right out of the gate of opener northern opener you were doing you're finding some fish oh yeah yeah usually I, i'm lucky enough i get pretty i can figure them out pretty quickly in spring um i've mm-hmm. never really had a problem with uh finding fish in the spring um it's the summertime and some of those dog days of summer that can get me going so and then when the extreme weather changes you know 
but being on water a lot, you, you seem to adapt to it and can find them, but you always get those days where sometimes at the weather, everything, you get the moon, the weather, and it's still just, it's like, where are these fish? And that, yeah. that, those days I haven't figured out yet, you know? <laughs> I think they uh, pack their bags and head to shore, honestly. Right. On to yeah. shore, I think. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> right next to it or something. But. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the days that really get me going. Oh, I bet. So you mentioned, yeah. you know, you need to you need to post more or whatever. But when you were kind of starting out in your guiding career, like how I guess, how did you market yourself back then when you were kind of getting going? Because you said you were a part time yep. guide. And then when when did you make the transition from part time to to full time? Well, to start the story, actually, uh, Bill Schwartz from Slammer Bates actually talked me in a, um, to into guiding um i was fishing every day down there we're i was putting in probably over 100 fish in the boat in pewaukee and pewaukee was pretty hot late back then so it wasn't if you fished a lot you were going to catch them um and he talked me into doing it and so i started doing it guiding down on pewaukee down there and basically it was just word to mouth you know doing some seminars at Muskie clubs because there wasn't the internet at that time there was no facebook or instagram so it was a word of mouth pictures okay. So it's a lot easier now, you know, you can start guiding now, put a bunch of fish pictures online and uh, move up pretty quickly. Yeah. That's but, so, so when you made that full-time transition, was that kind of a big, big leap of faith or did you feel pretty confident at that time? You had a good kind of client base to, to move, you know, into the full-time deal. Um, it was a little scary. The job I had, you, you know, I can work, I, I got to work the hours, you know, hours I put in the work and then fishing. So it was kind of like a slow transition in the guiding more throughout the summer. So it actually worked out really good for me with the job I had and musky guiding. So, and which I still work for the company. So, oh, okay. That's, so still, yep. so and I do that in the winter. Yep. Yep. And then, so that's what I do in the winter and fishing guide in the summer. So, you're not out there grinding on the ice, setting a bunch of tip-ups for people nope. and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. I am not an ice fisherman. No, that's what I do. Uh, get stuff ready, go to the gym, um, family time, you know, some skiing and whatnot. Yeah, I, I definitely know. Uh, I, I know that Brian was very curious, or our Brian was very curious about what your workout routine is because we don't. We'd always joke around after watching some <laughs> keys episode that you're easily the most jacked musky angler out there <laughs> and uh i don't know i mean i feel i feel bad for some of the muskies that that get hooked by you because I, I can't imagine they're feeling too good at violent hook set <laughs> uh, actually I, I really don't have a super hard hook set i got a couple friends man they shake the boat you know when they hook hook and right. fish and they actually lose with this new braid line or i shouldn't even say new now that shows my age too but with this uh <laughs> line we have now you don't you know some of these guys just wham it's like oh with rubber, it's a little different story, but you know, top water and stuff. It's like, oh, I just shake my head. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, with but the, no, I don't. I don't really have a hard hook set myself. It's just kind of a just a nice snap and steady pressure on it. That's the way to do it. We uh we've been talking a lot this winter about you know trying to anticipate or figure out what the what the new bait will be in the industry that like really you know catches fire and puts a ton of fish in the boat something that's totally new so throughout all your years guiding i mean what baits have burst onto the scene back to when you started that 
just felt like fish magnets for a while until, you know, maybe the pressure, everybody started getting them and they started losing their popularity a little bit? Well, I would say, I mean, there's two for sure. Uh, you got the cowgirl and the bulldog, you know, those two changed musky fishing totally. I mean, I, and then there's a few afterwards, you know, that came behind them, you know, Medusa's and the tube is, you know, really hot right now. But I mean, since I, you know, really started, the two would be musky innovations and musky mayhem. What, what was that I mean, like that, when you got your first bulldog in the boat? I mean, <laughs> was it was it just pulling fish up to the boat nonstop? And what, no, what was that? No, I think I had one in the boat for a while in my box for a while that didn't see water for a while. It sat there, you know, it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to try one of these. I tried them like, what the hell, you know, how do you yeah. use it? But the, the bottom line, anymore when I'm working the booth, guys come in order like, yeah, I'm not a real rubber fisherman. I always wanted to try it. And I, I just don't know, you know, and I'm, I'm like, once you start doing it and you try it and you go out there and work it and you catch your first one, it's like you get hooked instantly. You're a rubber mm-hmm. fisherman. It doesn't, it, 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 it's hard to start throwing anything else. And I tell everyone, I get clients out and, you know, we'll, I'll get them out. They never fish open water or anything. And I say, once you get hit out here, you'll <laughs> never want to fish weeds again. You know, because there's nothing yeah. like just ripping rubber out in the middle of nowhere else and it just bam stops and you're hooked, <laughs> yeah. man. And, and, but yeah, I don't I don't actually remember like when I first started getting hooked on rubber. I've been rubber fishing for a long time now. And I mean when I when I do get the fish, that's what I'm throwing, rubber. Yeah. And I mean I feel, feel like those baits too kind of like force you talked about like <clears throat> you know how they change musky fishing, like they, I feel like they kind of force the industry to like start making different gear too, you know, to like be able oh, to for sure. double ten sure. pounder. Like you're, you have to start upping, you know, beefing up the rods, beefing up the reels. So it's like kind of force the musky industry to get bigger, you know, equipment yeah. wise. It feels like and right, you're dead on. I mean, because you think when those came out, and you see like the cowgirl came out in probably around 07, 06. Bulldog was even before that. I don't even know the exact year, but I mean, I'm sure the longest rods back then were like eight feet, seven, six, eight feet. And, you know, everything was probably a 6,500 or, a, um, oh, I don't even know, probably all six, five, two, maybe some four to one, but yeah, it was pretty brutal. So do you remember when the light bulb kind of came on for you and you're like, Oh wait, there are some fish out, not in the weeds. Like, was that how long ago was that that you started pushing out and mm, good question the water yeah you know time flies so much i'd like to say about 10 years ago five ten years ago but it's you would think it doesn't seem but time just flies so it might even be worse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if i was a betting man i'd bet about 10 years ago okay so you start pushing out and fishing bait balls and oh, yeah. realize pretty quickly yep. that all of a sudden this is and actually I, legit. And I forgot who really started me onto it. I'm not going to, you know, um, a little bit of Rizzo because he would throw those small bucktails out there. And I forgot the guy from uh, Fond du Lac area that used to write some articles and he would throw big cranks out, out suspended. And I'm, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Um but just reading his article and then some of the deeper lakes that I have in the area, we just started fishing them, trying it. And also, like, like I said, just with the rubber too, the first fish you catch out there, also, it's just like a 
skyrocketing your confidence and you're doing more and more and, and then you get a couple of those good days where you're catching two or three fish out there and now you're hooked you know oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah have you have it you seen a, some of those oh go ahead sorry it just took a while to really dial it in and you know get figured all out and i mean you never figure it all out but i mean you know get a little better yeah. and a little more confidence at it you know instead of just winging baits out there yeah i mean i'm i mean the lakes here are very dynamic they'll they'll change year to year and stuff like that but when you did first uh target the fish in open water and maybe you know take notes through the years and i'm sure you still fish those same exact lakes to this day did you are you finding them in like the same little areas out there or transition areas or are you kind of finding new spots on those same lakes that they kind of go to like, is it a thing where um, once opener happens, you got to find that spot for the year, find those areas, or are you just checking the same ones? You know what? It, it changes sometimes year from year, but generally, you know, the good deep flats or big deep rock points coming off and just off of those are generally always pretty good. So, yeah, the spots normally stay good. It all depends on the bait per year, you know, water temperatures and everything. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a, a good area will always hold the bait when they're coming out unless they're going into the weeds. But once they go out suspended, they're going to hold in those general areas since, yeah. you know, all the time. So, yeah, I know in, in our, in, in the guide panel that Clayton, Peter and I are were in, there's actually a, a good amount of questions about bug hatches and stuff. And I'm assuming that's when you really like to target the open water. Or is there another time of year you like to target it? Just right before that, you know, we're getting some, you know, in some lakes they're suspended out there year round. You know, there's oh, yeah. some fish sure. that just stay out there year round. But obviously, right when that bug hatch, and that's still, I'm still not perfected that. I know a lot of guys got that a little down a little better than I do, but um, that still can get me, you know, that that bu whole bug hatch thing there can throw me I, for a loop at times. But I think that's the hardest time of the year, I think, for just about anybody. I think that's right. when it can be very, very good or very bad. That's what happened to me in yep. June. Was, either very right. bad or very good i didn't have any very maybe like two in between days you know for myself i think last yeah year. I'm, i agree with you 100 i mean it's either really good or bad but but that's like the real start of when you really start getting some of those uh, open water areas and you know it's kind of like the the door opening for summertime and a lot of that bait starts moving out you get those first really warm days and mm -hmm. and then you know you get that sun one, the sunny days, you know, we'll get that bait up a little higher a lot in those earlier times too. So I know a lot of guys think, well, we're going out there deep. We've got to fish deep. So let's get some big rubber. And, and like in June, um, which normally during the bug hatch and everything, we won't even use like big rubber that goes real deep. You want to kind of stay up on the top, you know, crankbaits. Um, I mean, even topwater work at time, glide baits. Um, you can throw rubber, but we'll we'll throw unweighted rubber. You know those uh, unweighted tubes, stuff like that. You don't want you, you get you get underneath them that time of year. You ain't gonna get anything. So, well, I mean, you're looking at your graph, and you're like in you know you can be in like an 18 foot mud flat, and there's bugs that are on your graph up to like four feet down. You know what I mean? Right. It's covering yep. the entire thing. It looks like you're it literally looks like your electronics are like malfunctioning at times with how much the screen mm -hmm. just like fills up um all right well i'm not to shift gears too too big time here but uh something i'm pretty excited to talk to you about here tonight is the the whole filming thing with keys 
when when did that when did that start? When did you get hooked up with Keys? How'd you meet him? Um, okay. And, yeah. Well, okay. I'll start off how I. So one of my clients was Dave, which back in the days he was a cameraman for Keys. He actually had a cameraman in the day. Mm-hmm. Not not every shoot, but a lot of shoots. And he, I think he actually did some shows with him. And he was one of my clients. We talked about it. And then um, there was a tournament on the Pete and Flowage. Um, it was a spring tournament, just the Pete and tournament. And I went and fished that one time. And Dave and Keys was fishing. So I met Keys. And this was probably 20-something years ago. And since then, we just became friends. You know, we talked all the time. And we actually did a couple shows in between that time um throughout the years but we always kept in touch you know and i'd see him out you know him and dave or him and steve and stuff i'd see him out and talk to him and then um what was that about four or five years ago now i think five years ago he's fishing with dave i was fishing the pmtt with uh sam Ubel from chase nation um we had a really good year you guys and won. we just eagle river one right eagle river yeah we yeah. won we yeah we did really good that year. We missed Kentucky that season and uh, just fished the rest of them and ended up like in second or third for team of the year. Yeah, we placed like top five, I think, in every tournament. It was yeah, it was just one of those years. Everything came together, you know, because um, I met Sam. Actually, called me because he was watching things that were going on and said, "Hey, you want to do this tournament? I can get." Uh, some backing for us and everything. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So, but anyhow, back to keys. Um, so then that next winter we decided, well, we ain't going to do it. It's just too much time. And all that. it was awesome. It was a nice run for a year, but let's take the, a year off and discuss it again. Some uh, next year. And I was working a musky show. I think it was in Milwaukee or something. And then keys came up to me. We started talking and he wanted to know if I wanted to fish with him. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what happened to Dave? And well, those guys, both of them, they kind of went their own way. Dave, you know, worked, started working with his brother at the lure company and everything. And uh, I was like, well, talked to my wife about it. And I was like, yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, I'm like, well, it's kind of stupid. I, sh- I should really fish with keys on that there. So <laughs> ended up fishing with keys on the PMTT. And that first year, same thing. We placed in every tournament. Didn't win one. I think we took second or third in one or two of them. But um, And then since then, we've just been fishing together. And um, started doing more shows with him. And it's I can only do so many because of guiding and everything. So it's right. it's I got to fill in the holes there. But um, And then as far as me and him doing the PMTT, I guess the PMTT just wanted to go their own route without he's outdoors. So. And yeah, it's we, bummer. Yeah, we were, we were right because it was like we could either take a week to go fish a PMTT tournament or can we take a week to go to Minnesota and fish? <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, yeah. you want to fish with, you want to go to a lake with all the best fishermen in the United States that have been pounding there for a week or you want to go to a lake and have it to yourself? <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. I, I do remember, I just remembered that Eagle River one because I was, was like, I don't know, not too long ago and I was just kind of messing around on YouTube and that like a random shuffle video came up and it was the one keys episode where you guys won Neil river. And I remember watching it and being, and uh, I think it was your guys' last fish you caught. And it was just like a freaking insane fight. Like the thing, yeah, I don't even know it was like a 40 or whatever, but it like, 
just took you guys around on a freaking roller coaster ride and I like I like my heart was beating watching the video being like I could not imagine a fight because we had oh, believe me I was like, oh, scared shitless <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we knew we needed that fish we knew we needed that fish and I was like oh my god and it just did not I think yeah I think it was a 38 or a 40 and it would it, not it fought, no it fought like a freaking lake trout or uh you know a coho salmon or something i mean it did not it just kept taking line up and coming around and yeah that was a crazy tournament but that, that was just one of those tournaments too that it was just you couldn't do anything wrong we did lose quite a few fish during that tournament and the whole game plan changed that morning we pre-fished one day had all of our spots down we seen one fish in one spot and that had current in it so then that night i came home and i'm like Okay, I started thinking. I'm like, oh, that didn't go too well. But there was current. So I'm like, okay, dudes. The Saturday of the tournament, we met there. I'm like, we're changing plans, man. We're just going to fish current. current. No that way. was the year where the, the buoys were like laying down because there was so much oh, current. Gosh. We had so much rain. Yeah. yeah. So we're like, we're just going to fish current in this. But I think everyone else had that same idea because we went in the river going towards our uh, waters meet. Yeah, and yeah. the first spot I said, I'm not going to say it on here, but I said, we got to hit, there's always fish there. And a boat stopped right before we got there. And then <laughs> dude, second cast, he sticks a fish right in front of us. I'm like, oh. but, <laughs> but we started fishing the river and there was like, everyone was in there. I'm like, this is nuts. So we just thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? This water is coming through this whole system and it's coming through these rivers. The narrows are where everyone was fishing. But the lakes, there's an area on that lake where that current's going to come through to get to the next area. And then we mm -hmm. concentrate on just those areas. And no one was really fishing them. And that's where we cut all the fish. So, and end up working good. Nice. Yeah. Just pretty much fishing the chain kind like of, it's a river or a flowage system. Pretty basically. much. Yeah. Because when it comes from this area, it's going to run right down this shoreline to the next one. And we just concentrated not on the narrows, the rivers, but the shorelines where that current or whatever area that current was going to come through and it paid off. Like we didn't even see many follows. It was bites where we talked to a lot of other guys and it was all, you know, we seen 10 fish, but we just couldn't give them the bite. So, <laughs> Welcome to the chain. Right? Yeah. When they're, when they're going though, it's, it's crazy there. I mean, it really is like, right. You know, right. Those fish turn on. It's, it's actually kind of dumb sometimes. <laughs> how right. many are, how many are in there? You're like, were you guys always just here and you just wanted all of a sudden decide to eat today or what's going on? I mean, it, it gets, it gets gnarly. Uh, and then another one I watched recently was um, you guys did well in Minnetonka and we're heading there this year. So I don't mm -hmm. know. I mean, that seems like an interesting body of water. I don't know. You know, we're a little bit, I don't know. What do you, what'd you say, Gus? It's not apprehensive, but just, it's going to be an interesting tournament. I think. I think. What? Yeah. What month is that? Sure late august i think it's like third or fourth weekend of august and and um yeah i mean i'm i'm it's hard to say how i'm feeling about that one that one's it's just another most well, giant i mean i i don't know what to compare it to in size i i don't i don't know if it's bigger or smaller than the, the chippewa flowage i feel like i don't know somebody said it was um like yeah i don't i don't i don't know i know it's big i don't know what one would be bit bigger um, I know I'd rather fish the chain than the chip. <laughs> the chip has my number, so I'll, I'm okay with going anywhere besides the chip. But I think it's beautiful, but yeah, those muskies are 
pretty difficult to find for some reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the chip has my number, man. Been there quite a few times, and it just like, hats off to you know Ty and all of them that crush them out there because I can't figure it out for nothing. I <laughs> yeah, struggle. I'm always on the struggle bus. There, we 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 were on the bus big time, but with flowages, um, well, I guess before I get into that, with uh, with Tonka, that time you went there with Keys, was that your first and only time there? Or did you? Yes, that was my first, but. Keys was there, I'm sure, a few times before we were there. So he had some spots. But, you know, I'm trying to think back to what month that was. I'm thinking it was September. The biggest drawback there is the boat traffic. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, large boats, and they're not afraid to come right next to you. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of them. Yeah. (laughs) Did you fish near a lot of, like, high traffic areas, or did you try to stay away? Because... Well, pre-fishing we did, and we found out that was a terrible idea. So then we started fishing some other spots where it wasn't too bad. But, you know, I I heard some of those narrows, you know, guys catch fish right in the narrows where all the boats are coming through and all that, kind of just like the Eagle River chain, you know. So the fish are used to it. It's just I wasn't. (laughs) And the boats there are quite a bit bigger than the ones we run into up here, you know. You get 30 footers and they're going about 10 miles an hour with a four foot weight coming off it uh, about 20 feet away from you. So it can get brutal. Nothing better. Uh, yeah. So it's fun. So when you're doing the shoots, like what, um, I guess, you know, I'm always curious to kind of talk to people about this with like filming and fishing. Cause it's, it's, it's kind of different. I mean, a little bit, obviously you're doing the same things, but when you got the cameras rolling and you know that, the show is about to be broadcasted to thousands upon thousands of people. Um, yeah, I guess, what was that like when you kind of started doing them? Did you feel like you fished any differently or acted any differently or was it just kind of an adjustment period and same old, same old once you got used to it? Yeah, I didn't fish differently. Um, but it was brutal because you don't think of it, you know, when I'm fishing, I can talk, blah, 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 blah. I'm not Mm -hmm. the biggest talker, you know, even on podcasts, seminars, anything, I'm just, I, I got to get it squeezed out of me. But when I'm in a boat, I'm just blah, 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 blah. And then when I fish with keys, we're talking just normal and all that. And all of a sudden he grabs a camera. He goes, what just happened? Tell me what just happened. And I go, you, know, you just go brain dead. Yeah. I go, yeah. wow. Something so basic. You know, I've been doing it forever. Tell us what just happened. And it's like, oh, my God. I'm better at it now, but it's still just sometimes it catches me off guard and it's just like, dang, I I would like to think about this for a little bit so I can at least sound somewhat intelligent. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, we've, um, we've, we've failed to launch any sort of YouTube videos now for like two years. But when we, uh, when we, we were doing one, I think it was like last year. And I caught this nice fish on a, a slammer, like early season, you know, just like a textbook crankbait, whatever. And I remember, you know, we were thinking about doing a video out of it because we had a bunch of the, like great footage and yada, yada. And Gus is like, all right, well, you got to sit down and, you know, talk about the bait and, and tell me like what you did or whatever. And I, I sit down and like, it was just freaking word vomit. I started laughing and I'm like looking at our buddy, Brian, who him and I have, you know, sometimes not the easiest time being serious in the boat. And I'm like, I, I can't do this. Like, I literally can't just. You had to say go that. drop me off. I had to, we literally <laughs> had to drop him off. 
and I'm like, all right, now I can do it. And I, even then I'm like, Oh, I, I caught a fish on a slammer and it hit pretty hard and it was a good fight. And, <laughs> right. You know, That's what I'm saying. Early season. It's good to use these crankbaits and you're like, God, you just feel like such an idiot sometimes. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how someone can ask you something and you can just turn around, bam, 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 bam. but then all of a sudden they got a camera and it's like, uh, and then especially if you got someone like Brian there, you know, laughing at you and, and doing things, then it's even worse. Oh my god! Yeah, and Keys isn't Keys isn't afraid to put that camera up real close to the face either. <laughs> no. no, especially with the new ones too in 4K. I'm like, dude, come on! I don't even know the last time I shaved or anything. <laughs> Yeah, you got to be having like a good, good skin day, good hair day, everything with with, with the cameras now. It's uh, it's a whole different world. Though. That that's cool. I mean, I I would imagine like obviously you know tournament fish catching a big fish in a tournament's a big rush. But like when you get one on a keys shoot, I'd imagine that that's probably pretty big. It is awesome for you guys. It is you awesome. Know? It is awesome. You know, and uh, a lot of. The downfall on it, though, we, we get a fish, and because he has that show, and I mean, he's such an artist with it. So you have to tell the story, and, you know, like feeding windows, you get this fish, you get these feeding windows, they're short, you catch one, and I'm always to the point where, like, let's get it back, let's go, let's go. And he's the opposite. It's like, no, <laughs> we got to film, we got to tell a story, we got this, because that's <laughs> what the show is about. And I get it. He knows it. He's been doing it for 30 years, you know, and uh, I'm the one that just, yep. Yeah. And a lot of times I used to just pick him up like, boom, he's like, hey, hey, what are you doing? So he would yell at me for that. But uh, yeah, have- so it's a whole story behind it. So that, that can get rough sometimes because you know they might only be 10 minutes. Right. And, you know, you're trying oh, to yeah. put a show together and the yeah. difference between one and two fish is a big deal. And oh, yeah. I mean, do you, do you have a like a favorite shoot that you guys have done together? Mm. no not really they're all fun i mean obviously the ones you catch more fish on are far nicer than the ones you get skunked because we've done plenty of them where we got skunked yeah they can get brutal we've done a couple trips where it's like four or five days and we see like two fish you know trying trying some new water yeah trying new waters you know because like he wants to always try these waters you know it's always an adventure he says and i'm always like you know go do it with someone else when they're really hard adventures like that. Take someone else. That. Yeah. <laughs> of the uh, of the places you're allowed to say to the listeners here, um, where was the favorite place that you went and and filmed with Keys? Where where did you go? Where, are there any ones that were pretty far away, mm-hmm. like out of state that you went to with them? Or well, the show that's playing actually this past weekend and next weekend, uh, Leech Lake. It's probably my favorite. Oh, nice. I mean, that's my favorite lake in general. Really? Um, I, I love that body of water. Just, so with, that shoot. Fish-wise or what about yeah. it? Fish-wise, the area, just everything about it. I love Leech Lake area. I love the lake. Um, but that shoot was a really good shoot, too. I think we got five or six fish over 48 and a half in the three or four days. So it made up for some of those other days that i was speaking about earlier you know you get when you get (laughs) trips like that so yeah but i I love that lake as far as tournament tournament lakes though um i love fishing iowa i don't know if you guys ever fished over there that spirit Uh, and i think okanobi or something like that i forgot the name of it but hopefully they go back there 
And there's a lot of big fish over there. And when we did yeah, that, shoot, that uh, I don't know if that's like still holding the most fish in a PMTT ever record or something okay. like that. I feel like I know they caught a ton, like 86 yeah. in one day or something. Yeah, something. it was insane. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, God, was it that or Webster? I'm not, I don't remember. You might be right. I think it was over there on Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. Webster over in Indiana. They they stocked that really really heavily. Uh, have you fished out there before in Indiana? Yeah, that's when I fished with Sam, and um, okay. it was super tough fishing. In the first day, we got a thirty nine and a half, and we're like, yeah, we're pounding our chest. We're like, yeah, I wonder how many fish are caught. And we're thinking, oh, maybe five, six. <laughs> we get back, and we were fishing uh, the chain over there, and everyone was on Webster, and. The, like every boat out there caught three or four fish. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was crazy. We got back. We're like, oh, that's. But they're all smaller fish. You know, majority of them were, you know, thirty twos, thirty threes. So, um, we were like, if we want to get in this, we're gonna catch some more fish or a big yeah. one. And that's when Sam got that forty nine and a half, which Ooh. in the PMTT is big points. So I think oh, we yeah. ended up taking. We skipped over majority of the teams just with them two fish. And took like third or fourth or something like that. So, yeah, but that's. I remember Keys came. I think he came to your boat and filmed that fish. I remember. I think maybe. No, I I um, that. we that year when I fished with Sam, we had Jeff, his his partner on uh, Chase Nation, film with us, and he filmed in the boat the whole time. And then Keys was oh. like, "I'll take all that all that footage." So. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's how there was so much footage of that year with Sam and I fishing. Because okay. we had Jeff in the boat and he did the camera work, so which is pretty nice. It's always nice to get a 49 and whatever and some change at, on a like especially if you're you not know, oh. talking about like day one. Because yeah. Gus and I always joke, like we we look at the Facebook updates when we're out there, and it's like there's nothing worse than like when you're struggling or like the bite's slow in your boat and you're like yeah, it's got to be slow for everyone else. And then Tim hops on there and is like, yeah, bite's been crazy this morning. We got doubles. We got triples. It's like, what the hell is going on? We right. Out now. Oh, that's a killer. Or when you see boats next to you and they got the net and the judge buckles, it's like, ugh. Generally, when I get them, it's tough. And if we're smoking them, it's like, oh, God, everyone's smoking most. And you find out no one is. But um, when I think it's super tough, then everyone seems to be getting up. <laughs> <Better> <laughs> the opposite of, of well, it's like the tournament thing with watching somebody else catch a fish is just like the most frustrating thing. Like, I mean, we 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 dealt with it on the chip during the championship. We were hammering a spot forever. We knew there were fish there. We moved off of it, and you know, lo and behold, another boat pulls in right after us and they pop one. And all we needed was like one fish, right? And so we were pretty Ouch we were pretty pissed you know whatever and like i remember we went to the the um you know tournament headquarters that that night and i was taking a leak next to a guy and he's like how'd you guys do today and i was telling him i'm like yeah you know we were on the spot with loaded with fish we couldn't get him to go and you know we had him up to the boat all this stuff and, and that boat came in and freaking caught one right in our back door and he was like oh yeah where where was that at and i realized it was him <laughs> I think Gus, you told me that story over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty brutal. That, that hurts. 
Mm -hmm. That one was tough. That that was a spot I think I said where we passed through it and I watched and looked to my left, right where we are, both of us already cast and I watch a muskie eat bait on the surface and start just like eating bait up shallow. I'm like, all right, uh, this is not not to be. <laughs> so that's the chip. Chip's got our numbers too, kind of. I mean, I know we, I know we got, got some fish in the tournament, but man, that's the amount of hours that we were putting in. That was, that was pretty brutal. Right. And and I'm, I'm a big flowage fisherman too. I guide a lot of flowages, but that is a totally different body of water from any flow. You know, I fish all the flowages here on the Wisconsin river, but that chip is completely different animal. Yeah. Completely different that way. So with the since you since i think i was going to ask a question earlier on the flowages and i knew that you like to fish flowages around here when uh when do you like to go fish flowages because i know we have all these lake options up here but Mm -hmm. yeah isn't that great though i mean we got so much here you know we got the deep clear lakes we got small bodies of water we got rivers and flowages i mean just so many options but i i start the flowages right opening weekend always oh, nice. start right in the floor just yeah because mm-hmm. they seem to be pushing ahead a lot of guys you know go to the smaller lakes just for the action and stuff but i i get a lot of larger fish right off the bat opening weekend fishing floor just hmm. so yeah I, I, was gonna, like, I was gonna go. i was just oh, gonna sorry, ask go with the with the opener i'm sure in all of our listeners heads uh what's what's your game plan each opener does it stay the same are you starting out deeper and pushing in shallower how do you tackle opening day what's your game plan going into it generally it's always the same because i'm hitting the flowages i might hit different ones but generally you know you get that right before opener all not i won't, I won't go all the fish but a, a big amount of them are spawning up river by the dams you, you know you get all them fish up spawning there so generally they're always starting to work their way down, but there's always quite a few larger females up there and larger fish. And that's why I normally hit the forages right away. And then I'll start, I'll head up river and I'll work it down, you know, stump fields, little coves, um, any down trees, you know, you get the trees along the shoreline or just money. Are you working main current stuff or are you kind of getting into some back bay eddy areas? Both both a little bit of both uh, yeah a little bit of both the fish will tell you you know you get you got to kind of almost because every year is a little different one one year one area might be really hot and next year you won't see nothing there and also they're on that other area so you got to try everything the fish will tell you but the bottom line is i just go all the way up and then i just start working down yeah and then once Today, you find them then it starts getting easier because then you can just start looking around and okay that's what i was gonna ask if they stack up pretty good because i know in lakes sometimes there's like certain weed beds that just all of a sudden will hold a lot of fish i don't know if it's kind of like that in the river or if they're kind of miscellaneously plopped here and there behind some logs or areas that you know it's it's kind of the same as what you just say you know you Mm -hmm. might come to one spot and there's quite a few fish in that one little area because maybe a bunch of them just came down and then they kind of just go in their own little back bays or a, little, a weed point might have a few fish on them mm-hmm. a down tree might have two or three fish sitting by it yeah with with all the tight cover in rivers can you do you mark bait regularly or is that not an important thing you're looking for yes and no i don't and this is one thing i really uh found out with the forward facing life's 
wide scope, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my side imaging. I mean, it reads really nice, but a lot of that bait you just can't see on that. And when I started running live scope, it was amazing how much was down there. Mm-hmm. So it, in, until I had that, I really didn't know. But now that I have that, so yes, there is a lot of bait there. At first, I thought it was just more structure we're fishing and them working down. But once I put the lights going down there, I noticed how much bait's actually really running through and hanging by like some of those <laughs> trees and stuff. It's pretty amazing. Well, Gus, if you remember when we were fishing the chip, like when we were pre-fishing, you know, we did, we couldn't mark bait. Like we were like, God, where is the bait? And then the day before the tournament started, it was like dead flat calm, not a breath of wind, super sunny we were just like drifting up onto weed beds and you would just see massive schools of like perch and bluegill. And like, those were the weed beds we were marking to come back and fish the next day. Unfortunately, things, a lot of shit changed in a span of like 24 hours for us, all the weed beds we had marked with bait on, we would, you know, fish them and we would drive past them after we were done. We're like, it's all gone. I don't know where any of these things went. It's they're just see you later. Um, but that was kind of the same thing, like just visually seeing actually how much bait was up, just hanging into this stuff, like was, was crazy to see. And yeah, with the live scope, like that's, that's, I mean, that's just been a game changer to understand that they're, these fish swim around and they're kind of just everywhere. And that was like mm-hmm. very eye opening for us. Like it just was nuts to see where these things end up moving to. <laughs> right. That's, that's one tool. I mean, I've learned a lot from, from fish from using you know live scope it's pretty amazing tool i'll tell you that much you see a lot from your side imaging and down and everything else and but that i've just in one year what i've learned from their actions are pretty amazing do you uh do you use live scope in the fall when you're sucker fishing do you keep it pointed back at your suckers at all yeah i do and we were actually just having this conversation this weekend about do we think it interferes in the fish biting it, you know? And um, it was pretty crazy that, and I brought this up to another couple other guys too, and they totally agreed with it that they thought it did. Because um, mm-hmm. we would watch fish just come up, and I don't know if it was just the year that they were doing this, swimming around bait a lot and just taking off, but we'd watch them come up to the sucker, swim around it, go around it, and, and sometimes for 10, 15 minutes, and oh, then yeah. just take off. It's mm-hmm. So frustrating. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, these, you know, this is a, it is a strong signal coming off that. So, you know, are they feeling that and they're not too sure or nothing? And the fish we were getting this year were the ones that I didn't have the live scope on. So. I think we got one with the facing, the one in particular, Max, where we took it over that log, over that, that log. Remember that one? Yeah, but that, that was a whole – we were talking – we we were talking about this at nauseum this fall as well because we were experiencing the same thing, like eight, nine, ten fish a day coming up to suckers and not right. doing anything. And then we were fishing kind of a flowage type system, and we were actually sucker fishing in some pretty tight cover. And we were kind of using a live scope to, you know, essentially just move the suckers around down timber and stuff. Yeah, it's the only time I've ever seen it happen where I literally was watching the live scope and I have the sucker rod in hand and I was just slowly bringing the sucker over like a kind of an upside down U shaped tree 
And as the sucker got down on the other side, like this muskie just shot out of the timber. Never even saw it on the live scope. You couldn't see it. And it just shot vertical and I just crushed the sucker right on live scope. And like, that's awesome. And I just had it in my hand and starts peeling line. Them. So we were <laughs> we were thinking like with this live scope thing, like, do you need to be literally like in, in ambush spots where the fish isn't getting beamed and sitting there right. looking at it in 30 feet of water? Like that was a total reactionary thing where that fish was just sitting there, saw it, looked up, boom, saw it. I mean, it didn't sit there and exactly. think about it, you know? After just hearing you, it's like he didn't get the feel of the beam till it was too late. You know, he already right. had his mind made up. He was eating that sucker. Mm-hmm. So it didn't just sit there and swim around the sucker. Because the ones that just swim around the sucker, I didn't get any of them last year. I couldn't get any of them to hit. It's good you, to know. You try, Weird. So. <laughs> yeah, it's the same with us. Did you try, like, turning it away or turning the unit off? Sometimes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I talked to uh, Rob Mantha on it too, and he kind of said the same thing. And he he turns it off, so I would turn him off, you know. But then we'd sit there for a little while, and I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. turn it back on, check. Oh, he's still there. Turn it <laughs> off again. I'm like that's oh, what we did all fall, <laughs> a whole fall. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we did the same thing, but the few uh, fish we did get on suckers were all on the one that I didn't have the live scope on, either on or wasn't pointed at it. You know, it was on the other yeah. side of the boat. So, yeah. and, and maybe it was just that weird year. I don't know. Like I said, I only had it for a year. I, I haven't had it for multiple years that I can compare. But as far as my fall last year with suckers, that's my own life scope. I think I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with that too. I think we just had it for what, Max, two falls for like two years open water yeah. worth. Yeah. And it was the I'm, same thing the other year too. Yeah. And it makes you think though, it's like, is it the beam of the live scope or are you just more aware of actually how many fish come up and look? And exactly. Meet, right. You know? I mean, was that happening all the time? You never right. knew because yeah. we didn't have live scope on it, you know? Yeah. Cause I can <laughs> I mean, tell sometimes you, I... if you got the sucker by your side imaging, sometimes you catch them on there, but a lot yeah. of times they're, they're not in that. So you're not even, you don't even see it. Yeah. I mean, I mean it felt like, two years ago we had a few multiple sucker fish days and we didn't really have that this past year with the live scope running. So I guess that might be the sample size to take. Cause it's like, you know, you, you see eight or nine, 10 fish come up to your suckers on live scope, but I've never had a nine, 10 fish sucker day before. Right, so it's not right. like, you know, it, it, so it, it's hard. I mean, I, I, I agree that I think to some extent there's gotta be some negative, and if anything, the fish are going to continue to learn, right? I mean, you hear about it, this vermilion thing. When oh, exactly. Started popping off. You know, you hear some guys talk about vermilion, like they, the fish won't get within 30 feet of their boat um, with the live scope pointed at them. So, I mean, I would assume mm-hmm. with sucker fishing in northern Wisconsin, the more people that get it, eventually these fish are just going to start to realize that if they feel that beam, they're, you know, they, they know what happens next. <laughs> exactly and i think you know a lot of people are freaking out on live scope and all that and i think it's all going to take its turn just like you said in vermilion you know they're going to get used to it and then it's just going to be what it is and it's going to be used for kind of what we use it for you know depth control um you know weed control everything you know there's so much uneducated people talking about live scope you know and oh it's and even you know talking to some big name fishermen you know i talked to them about it and they're like oh yeah i don't want to just drive around the center of the lake and look for fish and fish for fish like that I'm like do you think that's what 
That's all it does. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty crazy, but yeah, it, it I mean, actually amazes me. With one unit, I guess maybe we just suck at it, but we've never like we can't can't find them doing that. At least from our experience, like, right? We them open do on accident. And, yeah, like maybe they'll come into the screen and okay, cool, but like yeah, I mean I don't know. Um, I guess maybe with the multiple units, it could be different if you're not even putting the trolling motor down and you're just driving around with four units. I could see that or that probably crosses some interesting lines, yeah. but yeah, um, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that's, that's a, that's a whole nother world right there. Right. But yeah. yeah. If you're out there fishing already and you're just, you know, watching your baits and controlling your depth control and just checking things out and you see a fish out there. I mean, that's a whole nother ball game. Then, like I said, five, four or five units, you know, and you know, you hear guys complaining that, you know, they got it. Now they're catching all these big fish and everything. And I guess if that's the way they want to fish with four units and just drive around to catch their fish, then, you know, so be it. Right. And obviously you, you do. Big... Oh, go ahead. You do. You do you. I'm going to do me. You know, that's not my way of fishing. I've right. fished these fish long enough. I know how to catch them either way with it or without it, but I've learned a lot with it. So, you know. Right. Yeah. And as, as long as, I mean, the one big thing that we hope people don't do for the people that just drive around, if they want to do, if they want to do that, so be it. But the one thing, obviously I'll, we all want to not see is pulling fish from deep as we, exactly. Uh, that's the one big thing probably. But, and that, yep. You know. That is the problem with, you know, and well, the only really problem I can think of with it is that they can do that because those fish will eat when they're 40, 50 feet down. They will come up and eat a bait. But there's no saying that same fish a guy's trolling, and they're not coming hitting that too. But when those guys are targeting that, that does give the whole sport and those electronics just a bad name, terrible name, you know. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. I mean, when you got stuff like that, you know, I mean, most deer are shot with crossbows, you know, at night with a crossbow that are poached, you know. Are we going to mm-hmm. get rid of crossbows too? Yeah. For the deer's sake, I, right. I don't know. Yeah. So you you said um, you said you've you've taken a lot away, like that you've learned a lot. What what would you say the biggest thing that you've learned from using it? Um, just the behavior of fish during weather, different weather patterns, mm-hmm. you know, and their behavior, and working lures and the depths you actually think they're going at, and how you were working them compared to what you're actually where you're at and how you were working it. So I've really learned a lot just from the lures and on the depth control and how to work them down breaks, you know, and, and you think you're working it slow enough and it's getting down that weed line, but you're missing just big areas that is difference between catching and absolutely nothing, you know? Right. But mainly just their, the, the behavior of the fish during different weather, weather patterns and, and just different, you know, times of the day. Yeah. So, were, you, were you able to get any fish that maybe were like a hot follow, but didn't eat in the figure eight and then it hung around the boat Were those fish still gettable sometimes. Maybe. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like when I, I guide and the thing is, I don't even have it out all the time. I'll have it out here and there when we're fishing certain areas just to, you know, watch. I, I have it out a lot right away when I take them out in the deep water and just see how their baits are working and, and tell them, you know, you're going to have to let it 
dropped out and just a little deeper, you know, or, or working this weed edge. It's, it's down 20 feet, you know, so just drop it down. I'll see when they're at, and I've already seen fish come up, you know, flying up. And that one time I was like, Oh man, you got a fish. And he set the hook instantly before the fish even hit the bait. Oh, oh. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I guess I uh, spoke a little too soon, but right. Yeah. I've always... seen them come right up, follow and then back off a little bit. And then all of a sudden they come up and they might come up on one of the other baits coming through. But Yeah. Have you, this is, I don't know if you've had this happen. I don't think I have yet. And I've contemplated what I'll do if I see this. Have you seen somebody's bait coming through and then maybe you have the live scope on it, you know, that particular time of the day and you see a fish coming, are you going to tell them like, Hey, there's a fish or Hey, do a good figure eight quote unquote, (laughs) or just say nothing and let them do it. Like what's, what's the procedure there? Cause I know that. Yeah. Well, now it is your middle half. Do a really good figure eight because yeah. of that time <laughs> when I said, you got a fish and he set the hook and so many yeah. other t- times uh, what I said, you got a fish. And then they just fall apart, you know? Yeah. And so, I, so yeah, I, I, now I just say, yeah, make sure you do a really good deep figure eight. I think that's what I would do too. hundred percent in that mm-hmm. situation. Cause you don't, you don't want them to lock up because, you know, it might be somebody who just learned to figure eight that day, or maybe they're new to the sport, you know, because sometimes that <laughs> right. happens. We've, I know you've probably seen it tenfold, way more than that, than, than I have, where you have a, a client that was doing good figure eights all day. And then all of a sudden a fish just comes flying in and then they can clam up, you know, right in that situation. Uh, well, I personally have done that plenty of times too. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I was say, you're doing good ones and you're tired. And all of a sudden, it's like yeah, all of a sudden, oh yeah, there's a fish. <laughs> it's kind of like they know when you're just trying to take a oh exactly. Or That's when they come up and just scare the absolute shit out of you. How many fish have you had hit? You know, when you're just messing around or going down to do something on your locator, or you just turn around and start talking to someone, and, and then it's like wham, and you don't get a good hook set because you're totally off balance or something. It's like, are you kidding me? I've just been fishing four hours straight, and in one second I turn around and say something, I get hit. I, I have that issue. I have that issue a lot. Like when I fish rubber for a long time, like I, you know, my back starts to hurt or like your shoulder hurts, and you kind of like get a little happy feet and like you're repositioning and it always seems like when that starts to happen it's like okay there's going to be a fish that hits here soon when i'm like stretching out my shoulder i mean i had one last year that gus gives me a really hard time about because it was like the most dead of dead days like we literally like we were fishing a real clear body of water in in uh violus and like i looked down at one point during the day i'm like oh hey there's like a 45 inch muskie just sitting like three feet down and 35 feet of water doing nothing and you know like couldn't do anything or whatever so we're we're fishing a bunch and i start getting lazy and i actually took a cast out and let my bait sink all the way to the bottom i set the rod on the freaking floor of the boat take a drink of my beer gatorade or whatever at the time i pick up the rod i'm like oh it's got a snake or something like oh wait the rod's going like this (laughs) like i got a fish i had a fish because obviously i didn't hook set or anything because it probably pinned it to the bottom or something. And then, you know, as I lifted up, it was right. just sitting there within its mouth. And so, and that was like, after doing, you know, 
hundreds of casts of like counted down exactly the depth I wanted, ripping Perfect. my little heart out, you know, and then I take the one cast right, <laughs> set the rod down, take a drink, and of course, then that's when the fish hits after a full like afternoon and you know whatever fishing. I'm like, of course that happens. So yeah, right. if you're I can tell you, if you're gonna fish enough, it's gonna happen, you know, and I, I can't count how many times. I see it happen with clients or even myself, you know, where you're just messing around and you're looking down and you get that hit. And it should kind of tell you something that maybe change up retrieves and whatnot and, and maybe yeah. give more breaks or yeah, these fish are always pauses. changing. Right. Yeah. They're always changing. It's always something new. Do you, uh, yeah. Do you run some cameras of your own when you're just maybe fun fishing or sometimes with clients or no, not very much. I have, and it was it was just like, oh, God. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I always, I always ask Greg Thomas. I'm like, hey, why are all your videos on mute? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I have a poll out there every once in a while. I put one out. Um, and actually, that's kind of why I got this computer and everything, because I was going to videotape clients, and then for a little extra, I was going to make a video for them. And, oh, yeah. Um, well, I haven't gotten that far yet, so I'm still figuring <laughs> things out. <laughs> that cameras pissed me off, and then last year I lost one. I had it on the windshield, and someone hit the the cord to it, and it went blink. So oh, I'm no. a little behind. Yeah, it was probably out for about five minutes. Hey, the wheels are oh. in motion, though. The thoughts right. are the counts. Right. Someday <laughs> I'll get it. You know, we'll figure it out. You know, the filming part wasn't too bad. It's the editing and everything I would need. Yeah, it's knowing time, what to do with time the footage for afterwards. Yeah, exactly, and the time to do it all, you know. So, um, all right, I want to do a little big fish talk in northern Wisconsin here because I think sometimes we get we get the rap of uh, having small fish in our state. And I know that you've put some really nice fish in in the boat. So over the years, have you found there's been a specific time of year um, that you've I guess found bigger fish or I guess certain, you know, patterns or whatever that you've been able to kind of consistently build or thing where these big fish kind of just show up year after year during a certain time, certain weather day, something like that. Or is it oh, yeah. random? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, no. Uh, you know, a lot of guys like the fall, you know, big fish time, big fall, you know, and granted you get big fish, but my favorite by far is the end of June, beginning of July, sand grass bite. I think a lot of these big females, you know, they get off spawn and they sit a few weeks. They're not really feeding. They, they go out, but it always seems to be. I, and almost every year I'll catch a handful of really big, some of the biggest fish of the year in that two week period. And it's generally right, right around sand grass. Yep. Sand grass. You find that sand grass and at end of June, beginning of July with rubber tubes. I mean, any rubber, and I'm not going to say anything in Pacific specific there but um that's yeah. by far my favorite time for big fish and it's you, nice out you yeah, know freezing right, your butt off right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, days are longer and yeah i mean do, do you think with this winter being how, what it is lack of snow do you think that sand grass is gonna be pretty good this year coming up or do you yeah we're, we're all talking about this you know especially for the flowages and everything because we need water you know for flow and everything um but I would imagine that sand grass is going to be very good because it's very thin ice. There's not much snow on top of it. In fact, I'm a little worried that 
all the lakes are going to be really weedy too, you know, because these weeds are going to, I mean, things can change quick. You know, we all, we're here in the middle of February right now, but if we get a lot of snow and then April, May, it's cloudy, crappy days, it all equals out in the end. Um, But if it stays the way we're going, I don't know, I imagine we're going to have some pretty, uh, we're going to have some weed problems in a lot of our lakes. Yeah. Did you see a good amount of weed growth last year? compared to some years mm, i seen it seemed like last year i seen a lot of nice weeds you know some really good cabbage beds um do i think yeah. the weeds were out of hand no okay you know, some lakes you know unfortunately a lot of my favorite lakes got weed choked from no foil you know choked out right. all the good good weeds out of them but i did notice like on the flowages some of that red tobacco cabbage and Green cabbage came back really nicely last year. And I don't know if it's because of the record snows or what it was that kind of choked off some of the milfoil in those flowages. But but some of my deeper clear lakes that had some nice cabbage in it and milfoils kind of took in its toll. Do you, do you try and stay away from that a little bit or are you fishing some milfoil? No, just fish still it? use it. It's just tough to fish. You know, right, and that's yeah. what you guys will find in... Um, uh, that chain in Minnesota that you're fishing for the PMTT this year. Oh, Tonka? And Tonka. Tonka, yeah. A lot of milfoil. But it, yeah, it comes okay. deep, you know. Twenty, I think we were finding, you know, where we were getting our fish, the, the weed line stopped at 20, 20, around 20, 21 feet, but then you had that stragglers come down to about 27. Oh, wow. But it grows out pretty deep, yeah. Jeez. That's yeah, different that's... fishing than what we've than what we've done over here, that's for sure. Yeah, like on that show, we were doing uh, putting heavy heads just so we could walk it down that break, you know, to get it down there a little deeper. They're hanging right off the edge. Actually, the secondary, uh, we were finding them all on like secondary points that year. Not the, right off a main point, but there'd be like one teeny little point coming off. And every, everyone, I think everyone was hitting those points, but they're leaving those teeny little points off, you know, halfway down a bar that had a teeny point coming off it. And that's where all the fish were. Have to change the subject then. Oh, we, we've kind of been jumping around all over yeah that's what we do <laughs> that's that's kind of what we do here we just pretty much riff about musky fishing and if people want to pick up a little nugget here and there that's right. that's the goal yeah, we're jumping over but to, but to get back to your original definitely uh last week of june first week of uh july right in that time you know give or take days and obviously you need the right weather too right i like the warm weather that time so yeah they probably like the increasing water temps i definitely mm-hmm. see kind of yep. that too that's the same thing that's when you're starting to get that bait to come up high and uh you know if you find the deep some of the lakes that the fish are using the sand grass obviously you're using the bigger rubber and letting it get down but the ones where you know you get your bait your ciscos and everything they all start coming up high with that sun and the warmer water temps will come up a little bit and that's when you're using the crankbaits and jerks and whatnot so but that's that's my personal and every year we get generally our biggest fish in the bowl them two weeks give or take nice yeah you um do you like running the grenades out there over the deep water or yes, like sand grass and open water? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I love them. Love nice. them. Great bait. So, yeah. yeah. We, we didn't, we didn't like, you know, we haven't really fully figured it out um, ex- exactly yet, but we want to incorporate it because it's just such a great tool to get, you know, a bucktail deep, but 
we had Austin Wiggerman on the podcast recently, and I think he was talking about like yo-yoing them. Did you ever do some yo-yoing or pull pause with them at all, or is it pretty much straight retrieve? Not really. I, I you know, mainly a straight retrieve every once in a while, maybe twice through the retrieve, just a really fast jerk just to get it to puff out, you know, yeah. give it a little more action. Hmm. Um, but definitely do quite a few figure eights with it because we've had so many fish just follow and they must follow deep and then they come up late and just hammer it by the boat. But that's, that's a good, that's a good note yeah, right there. that's uh, yeah. been one of our top baits too. That Are you throwing the smaller size or, or do you think you're going to try that monster grenade out at all this year in Wisconsin? Oh yeah. I am, I'm not afraid, you know, and, and some of our Wisconsin lakes, they're just big bluer lakes. I mean, I, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. through names or anything, but <laughs> I'll catch more fish on a pounder on those lakes than I will a Magda. Yeah. And right. I think those lakes, those, you know, and when you think of the Meg, I, what is it? 14 inches. I think mm-hmm. that's what wow. it is. Or maybe it might be 16 or 14. That's still for a big fish. That's small. It's right. not a big, I mean, that's the size suckers we're using and we're catching what? 35 inches on them. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nothing. In fact, the first fish I've ever caught on a pounder was 36 inches. So, I mean, oh yeah, yeah I'm not. I, mean, a... I, I caught a like 25 inch muskie on a Franken this year. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. <laughs> it was, I, we're, we're probably using too small baits to begin with, but I mean, depends how messed up you want to screw your shoulder up too you know? yeah we're, we're gonna be talking in three years from now and they're gonna have a quintuple dog and we're gonna be throwing 14 <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. yeah you will be i won't <laughs> yeah and then we're still gonna hear about the guy who caught a 52 incher on a bass jig so right yeah and then you got that side of the whole thing too yeah exactly it's like right? oh but i do yeah. like throwing big baits it feels like they uh especially in the warmer water periods they hit it hard like really hard. right right and and we usually start pretty big right from the get-go i'm not i am especially myself personally i hate dinky little baits that's why i struggle on some of those lakes where oh oh, we use 34 inches and stuff like that i just it's hard (laughs) for me you know it's really hard i i start anywhere from seven to ten right from opening day you know okay um i I do you know six inch six inch uh, glide dates and stuff i will throw Okay. But it's that's about as small as I go. So you're not afraid to go big on opener then is what I'm No, hearing. not at all. Uh-uh. Not, no, not. You just slow it down. Feed it to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's good to know. Yeah, we've you know, we've we've had our openers have been real up and down. I mean, we've we've had some years where it's been great and other years where we just can't find Right. Know, we just can't even. Oh, I've had those two. I've had those two. But generally, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can get fish in the boat, you know, pretty quickly. But I've had those years where it's like, wow, okay, that changed. That's not happening right now. That's not happening right now. And and I'll tell you what, the, the ones I have, the I struggle on are those really hot opening weekends. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's 80, 90 oh, degrees, yeah. flat calm. Yeah. I, if it's. Like I remember back in the days, we've had some openers where it actually snowed and it was really cold, and we just crushed fish. <laughs> and and okay. then you get those ninety degree days, and I, I seem to struggle. I, those were always my tougher ones. So some guys love them. Oh, it's gonna be a warm weekend. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I, I do remember that last weekend, last year. 
What's that? I think we thought yeah. that last year and we sucked. <laughs> yeah, it was hot and sunny. Yeah, it was it was rough for us. And I, and I know there was one year, Max, we started, I think it was a little longer ago. It, I remember one of the mornings on opener was in like the 30s. And uh, we were out in the chain and I know we got one and we moved like a couple of really nice fish on, I think, small baits. I think that's generally what we're using. But I was like, well, dang, that's probably the oh, that's, best. That's right. A big ass fish came up and looking at it, you know, I'm just... small and how size, what size are you talking? I think that big fish came on a Booker 500 and then we had it go in the figure eight <laughs> on a 22 short SS for like a couple minutes just staring at it it was, was just it hanging out with us it was i think it was a small grandma we were i mean that fish yeah. was just hanging out with us like you could have talked to it i mean it was just sitting there <laughs> <laughs> hanging around i mean it nice. could have had like a full-fledged Bodies. conversation with that thing. oh yeah we yeah we unfortunately we never caught that fish that year and we i think we heard some guy catching a really big fish in that same general area and we were like that's probably that one we had up multiple sure. times we just could never get it to go and that's kind of i mean if you if you had that where you know you're guiding and you you move a big fish one year you didn't get it you go back the next year and it's still there you ever had that uh no no okay. uh, another big fish using that spot but i can't say it's the same fish okay so you'll have yeah, like okay. designated like all right this is kind of a, a big fish spot in my yeah you know, yeah oh yeah for sure for sure there's just big fish areas that use but I, I won't say one year we had it. I mean, we've caught big fish, but it was in different areas, the same fish. And you know, one year we caught it here, and then, you know, quarter mile away, we caught the same fish. But um, mm -hmm. I've never seen one year that, that fish there, and then the next year the same fish. I know I've heard stories, you know, the same day, the same this, the same same with, like, deer hunter. Oh, the same day that big deer came through, and next, next year on that same day it came way through again. Um, I haven't seen that personally you think well that's probably the the case in point then that some people say they move spots once they get caught i know a lot of people say that and i feel like there's tracking studies of that where people assume that a fish got caught right. or something like that yep. that always could be the case yeah i've seen those tracking too and and there was one in the wisconsin river here that we caught and uh the only reason i know it was the same fish because the first time we caught it it had a stick that was poked out of its belly that it must have ate something on the bottom, ate the <laughs> stick and it poked through it and it was oh. fine. And it all healed up. And the first time I just took it out, the stick came right out and it was all healed around, but we ended up catching that fish three times, but all three times we caught it was probably in about a 500 yard stretch, but never in the same area. Okay. Wow. But it, it did. It, it did stay fairly same area but not and, and it might have been longer you know not i think 500 yards yeah, yeah it might have been a little longer but never like right in the same spot yeah and that was um, like two two year period okay nice yeah i know i know that one actually yeah one time we I, I did catch i caught it and then my dad caught it as well on the same spot one month apart actually and uh, I think it got a little skinnier. And then also Max and I had the same occasion happen where we caught the same fish like a month or two apart and it moved center like bars and it got skinnier too. Really? <laughs> so, Interesting. I don't know if we're catching the same fish that's just been 
dying to get out a meal or something. But <laughs> every time it wants to eat, gain a little weight, you catch it and uh, <laughs> take it away, and then it doesn't eat for another month. I, know. I <laughs> felt yeah. terrible. Again. I felt terrible when I caught that fish. It was like blind in one eye. I'm like, this thing has just been waiting for an easy meal, and it keeps getting keeps getting fooled. <laughs> right. Thing. I know you catch those real ugly skinny and it's like, you know, one meal and it might just make it another week and you end up catching it, you know. Like, yeah. Oh, and, and unfortunately gosh. it's a ten inch piece of wood. Right. <laughs> with hooks right. in it. Oh man. Exactly. Yeah. So are there any places that you got your eye on to get back to? I mean, I know it sounds like you like leech, but is there any other destinational trips you got on the radar here uh, in the next few years? I know you're probably pretty busy with guiding and working and family right but um yeah not really i mean leech um and whatever you know we do with keys because we always hear something he digs up something or i find something i'm gonna say it might be worth checking out you know and uh that's about it yeah nothing super to run out to right now you don't you don't take an annual trip uh to canada or anything no we used to go to the can all the time uh winnipeg river um, but since oh. COVID and all that, we kind of just been doing the Minnesota thing. So, yeah, but that, that was always fun. And, and that, I guess that might be a, you know, something we might do too, as a family go up there and do something with some friends too. But I haven't been up there since ooh, before COVID. Do you, do you all... find, do you find that your fishing style changes quite a bit when you hop across the border to Minnesota or are you doing a lot of similar things you do in similar because uh, Winnipeg river is, it's a deep, it's a deep uh, river system okay. and I always went in August. So it was a great rubber bite and we just fish deep points, deep rocks. And uh, yeah, yeah it was, it's, it's, it's yeah. I, now talking about, I kind of miss it because you get those evenings where your knees are shaking because it's like every couple casts something happens. And, uh, oh. but yeah, it's, it's, uh, oh. it was definitely the same thing. It was just big rubber on, on deep, deep rock. So Similar to Minnesota too, are you doing a lot of the same things over there when you go there, or is it different different uh, game plan? It's kind of all the seasonal, you know. Sure. It's all seasonal, right? Like right. when we fished a chain for that tournament, that was all really deep. But now, uh, like this key show that's on this last weekend and this next weekend, that was all in less than. I guess some of the fish came out in about eight feet of water, but a lot of them were in four, five feet of water. Wow, yeah. that's crazy that's catching nice. a fish. So, that big out of that shallow water would right. just be kind of nuts. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Minnesota is a whole nother animal. You know, I yeah, I love it over there. I love the I love those fish. They're insane, but it can be tough. Yeah. You know, everyone thinks you could just go over there and it's it's a gimme, but it's not. No, we saw it at Vermilion. It took us. You know, we were lucky to squeak out one really nice fish and hooked and lost another really big one. But I mean, it. it wasn't for, you know, we spent a lot of time throwing lures on Vermilion. Right. You know, we didn't pre-fish like we normally do for tournaments because we were just like, yeah, we're at freaking Vermilion. Like, let's just go try to catch a giant, you know? And next thing you know, three days later, we hadn't had a fish with hooks in it yet. We're like, oh, this is uh, quite a challenge, actually. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, that's a whole nother beast over there, too. That, that Vermilion out of all the Minnesota lakes kind of has my number, just like uh, the chip does in wisconsin here you know beautiful body of water loaded with big fish but same thing a few times i've been there man it was a struggle bus seen big fish but just to get them go you know to get them to bite everything has to line up just perfect 
That's yeah. what I felt like too. You know, it just, it felt so situational for those, those big girls to actually eat. I mean, the, we got our first taste of it pre-fishing, you know, this upper forties, little fifties came flying in out of weeds and throwing a big ass bucktail. And like that got the heart going like crazy, but it's, you know, it's like, well, when is that fish going to actually eat? You know, it's like, right. we're just sitting there at 10 AM, you know, high skies and came up and said, Hey, but you know, to actually get it to open up its mouth, it just seemed like it would have been impossible. I mean, it, it hung around, but they yep. just kind of turn around and then they just paddle off. And you're just like, how freaking big was that? Thing? Like the say the, the Minnesota shuffle comes flying right up to it and follows and whoop, gone. <laughs> even on that shoe with, yeah. Even on that shoe with keys, man, I had one, it was low fifties and that thing Mach five, right, right to my, uh, double dog and i swear to god it was about two inches two three inches away from it and just came to a dead stop oh, <laughs> oh my god, god. and then it was gone oh. it was actually right on the shoulder and it was actually amazing that they can stop that quick because the way he was coming if i was a gambler man that thing was gone it was going to just inhale my thing and it just came and stopped you but, should yeah. uh minnesota shuffle Minnesota shuffle. Yeah, that I know um there was just a post recently on I don't know what it was on, but I, I think Greg posted it. This guy's been doing some underwater filming at Geneva. And I checked out the website today and he's got like a whole video logs of underwater camera work. And it was it was crazy to see these fish interact with like trolling baits and how they literally would fly up from the deep and they'd get there and nose it and they would just put on the brakes oh, yeah. and turn around yeah, and they I'd would like <laughs> open their mouth and like taste right. the water around it and then they would just <laughs> dip out it's in, like i was like how do these Ugh. how do we catch these things sometimes it's insane isn't it i mean even with your guys live scope you ever notice that on live watching your baits do you use it when you're trolling oh yeah. yes yes yeah. and you see they them hope. doing the same thing come flying right up and they're swimming around it and all of a sudden they're gone it's like what the yeah <laughs> We've got to kind of like, we've got a few going up to the rod and giving it a big jolt and even taking it out of the yep. rod holder and giving it a big jolt. And we've seen it have, we've seen them turn off immediately too on that. Mm -hmm. you know, that's, yeah, that's I've, ca I've caught today. them with the live scope, checking the baits out. It seems like the further it is, it's not as bad, you know, but I've seen a lot of them come flying right up and I've had them already fly right up to the bait. They're sitting there following them for, you know, two minutes. All of a sudden, boom, they're gone. And then the next rod goes, <laughs> yeah. one of the other rods is like wow yeah but i remember five years ago to kind of go back on live scope or no this is probably even longer probably right when the first one came out and thomas had it right away i mean he was like one of the first guys i knew that had it and he used to tell me man you would never imagine how many fish follow your baits and about 20 feet out they just turn right off i'm like are you shitting me he goes every time i go out i have at least 20 follows that turn off 20 feet out and that was oh, yeah. like the first year they came out. I remember him telling me that. So. Oh, we we it saw is. it like the most clear I think we saw it this year was we were fishing a really deep, clear system in the fall. And there was like this very small isolated hump uh, close to some really deep water. And like there was, I don't know, Gus and Brian, if you guys remember uh, kind of what I'm talking about, but that there was just fish loaded on this thing for whatever reason. Like it was just a kind of a gravel hump. And we were throwing like super heavy dying dogs and it was, it was a slow bite. So we would like watch it on live scope. We'd count it down and, you know, he'd give it a big rip, let it sit, 
give it a big rip, let it sit. And these fish would just literally, you'd watch them fire up when you'd rip it. And then it would sit and fish would sit there behind it. You'd fire it up. It would come to it again. And then it would stop. You'd do it again. And then they would turn off. And it was just like cast after cast. Like you just were like, all right, these guys are not interested in actually eating, but it was frustrating that you would never know if you didn't have it. You'd be like, Oh, this sucks. There's no fish here. Couldn't see them on side or anything. They're like, all right, this it's let's move on. But then you know, you sit there and you waste two or three hours because you're like, all right, eventually they might go, but they, you know, they don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing with that, you know, everyone's gone it or whatever. And I I don't run it all the time, but when I do, I mean, there's a lot of frustration with it because you see a lot of that stuff, you know. It's like, oh yeah. Jesus. And I'm sure it's been happening the whole time, you know. You just yeah. It just stories where it's just like it's like there's no fish here, and then you put that down, and you just see them out there. It's like Jesus Christ, look at look at a fish out here, but we can't even get anything to go. <laughs> yeah, and, it, so and it's it, tough it, sometimes seeing like that many fish. It's like, do you do you move lakes even if they're not eating? But it's like right, just marked a bunch. Like you know, I've had I've had that struggle there. We're deciding to move lakes or not. It's like we see them, and they're not eating, but then again we're on fish and they're everywhere. So it's like, do we leave fish to find fish? I don't know. It's, it's tough. Well, that's rule number one. Never leave fish to find fish, but <laughs> yeah. there's a time yeah. of day where you go, Oh man, we've been here a long time. It's bit me in the butt and it's paid off, you know? So yeah, that's a tough call mm-hmm. for you. Like when you're guiding up, up in the North woods, are, are there days where you're hitting super shallow stained water and then you'll jump over to a big, deep, clear Lake on the same day? I mean, oh, yeah. you do okay so you you really just kind of mix times, it up yeah. and generally i'll ask the client you know what they want to fish if they want action or if they want to go for a big fish and generally if we go for a big fish and it is a tougher day 90 percent of them will always say let's go to that small lake now we're, we're okay <laughs> let's go and then we'll pick up and go to that lake and, and do okay but like i said when we first started this i mean i've had days this year where it didn't matter where you were it was hard to even get a follow Mm. it was tough there was some of those tough days we had those weird weather days man and they just when they were off i always tell it doesn't matter how much money you have you can have every dollar in the world you ain't buying a musket today man at least in in my boat it ain't because i it's just not gonna happen i definitely had those too and there was like i don't know there's a few i feel like maybe one of them snuck up on me but i think a few of those i was just looking at the weather being like oh boy you know, this is mm-hmm. the weird, this is the weird, this is probably going to be a weird day. And some of them surprised me though, you know, some. Oh yeah, some... for sure. No doubt about it. No doubt yeah. about it. Cause we've had some it's cold a... fronts that suck and then some cold fronts that just lights them up. Right. Know? It was almost like the opposite of the days. Some of the days you thought it was going to be bad were really good. And then the days that were picture perfect were pure crap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had that one day but... this last summer where we're like, Oh, let's sleep in. I don't think it's going to be that great tomorrow in the morning anyways, like whatever. And then we get out there and it was like our third cast. We had a big fish up, caught one, hooked and lost one. And it was like, you know, you're looking around and it's like light variable wind, high skies. Like what's, what, what about today decided for these fishes, you know, come in shallow and say, yeah, we're going to eat every single bucktail that we see today for whatever reason, you know, it's like, you just, there's no handbook for this stuff, you know, and that's, it's kind of you just That's take right. whatever thing you can, you know, you take little nuggets here and there and try to put the pieces together, but it's, you just, you just never really fully know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just time on the water, man. 
that's you know there was that book and it and that's everything you need to know is time on the water you know <laughs> you're going to see everything you need you're going to figure it all out with time on the water and you're going to figure out that as much as you know you'll you'll you're still learning every time every time i go out i'm learning new things Mm-hmm. But like those tough days, I just feel sorry for my clients because I'm not the one that, okay, yeah, it sinks. We're going in now. It's like, no, we're, we're staying out. We're staying out. We're staying out. We're staying out till we get one. <laughs> and it, super long days, but you know, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. I love to, I, I, I like doing that too. When it's tough, I want to just stick it out all yeah. the time. It, you know? It's harder for me to go in when it's tough. Like, mm-hmm. no, we're not going out. Let's try this lake, or we got to go here. We got to try this. And I can imagine what they're thinking because there's been times when I've been with friends, we're fishing. I'm like, man, I'm ready to go in. Well, let's just try this spot and this spot. And then we'll go <laughs> ahead. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't yeah. know what they're thinking of me when I'm keeping them out there. And if the guy says, no, I'm totally done. I, I want to go. Then we'll go in. But if they don't say anything, man, we're. We're going to be kicking it out for a while. Wow. It's kind of the blessing and curse of like guiding where you guys do. Cause it's like, well, if they're not going on this lake, maybe they're going on this lake. And then, well, if they're not going mm-hmm. there, you know, maybe they're going, you know, six minutes down the road. Hey, just give me another two hours. And you know, it's just right. that forever. And that's it. That's the joys from up here. You know, we have so many lakes so close. It's just a hop, skip and a jump to a river, a flowage, a lake, a big, deep, clear water, lake, a dark water lake. I mean, we just, we're lucky to have it all. You know, we might not have the size of some of these other states, but the variety and the beauty. I mean, they got big fish in Minnesota, but we got beauty and a lot of fish and a lot of choices. Yeah. Any uh, any particular fish that stuck out to you over the years that you've either seen or caught? I always kind of ask this question to guys that have been fishing in the Northwoods for a while because seems like, you know, there's always at least one or two that they stumble across that maybe makes your eyes pop a little bit bigger that you're not, you know, I don't keeps know, you up at night, keeps you up at night or anything like that. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I'm trying to think of one in particular. Um, you know, I can't No, I, I actually at this moment right now, I'm, I'm doing a brain fart and I can't think of any good story with one. I'm sure as soon as we get off, I'm like, damn it why, why didn't i bring that guy up there you know but, um yeah it's all i mean i'll go we we like we really have only had i mean what, what would you guys say we've had maybe one or two encounters with fish that were substantially bigger than anything we've caught up north yeah yeah i'd say so few and far mm-hmm. between i mean usually it's it's you know four footer here and there but there's a few yeah at least i think two Two that, that I could we've think seen. Of. One that one that only Brian saw, so who knows how. And yeah. Jack, <laughs> sixty entry. Yes. <laughs> tail was over on this. Its tail was on this side of the boat, and my head was over by the motor <laughs> over there. Oh okay, yeah, we heard, we heard about it for months. I mean, you would. I I think this fish is actually rivaling the uh, the one that's hanging in the Hayward bars from from what Brian made it sound like but. as we get more distant from the time it actually happened it gets bigger and bigger <laughs> was that oh you did have whiskey in the boat that day right yeah a lot yeah. since so I can't really remember it perfectly yeah. But. <laughs> yeah yeah we've had some really big fish going and stuff but I mean nothing no real good stories to yeah. say about them I, I do remember there was one shoot you did with keys 
you guys were in northern Wisconsin and and you guys had some really big fish going. I think you caught like a I think you caught an upper forties and then you I think you hooked and lost or had one follow that you could see on camera and I think you guys were like that was that was fifty fifty plus. And I remember. Oh yeah, I know it. Yep, yep. I don't know if you that was like five six. Five, it was six a while. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah, you guys had some ago. big. You guys had some big fish. Yeah, that was. Good. That shoot, actually, I wasn't really fishing with them at the time, and I we were just talking all the time, and I'm like, I'm on fire. It's fire here, man. So if you need a show, let's let's do it now, because he always wanted to do a show or something. So he came up, and right when he came up, a cold front came. Oh. So we were on a crazy topwater bite before he came up there, and uh, then he came up, and it was a cold front. So they were still a little bit on the topwater bite, but yeah, that was a good – that fish he missed on that, it was like a – I think it was a squirrely hellhound or something um, at the time. Some glide bait. Yeah, and we were were saying that fish must have been one-eyed because it just came up. You could see it just perfect and just missed the glide (laughs) bait, just like inches away from it. And it was a monster. I mean, it was easily 50s all day. Um, But, yeah, I do remember that one. In fact, every time I'm out there, I remember that fish right there. So, (laughs) yeah, I guess that that was a good story. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, that was seven, eight years ago, actually, already. That was, yeah, we should have had a lot of fish that shoot. Yeah, huh. just kind of one of those trips where you had them, you know, and I think our, our buddy Clayton has summed it up well. He's like, if you're on fish, you're going to lose fish, and that's just the harsh reality of, of it. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, you're, you're Nothing's perfect, and you're, it's never going to, you know, all go your way. Like that shoot, he was losing them all the time you know, one after another and I was getting them. And then towards the end and I started losing all the fish and then he caught a couple, but in the end, you know, I think we got one decent fish. We lost two real big ones and, and probably lost like, I think like 20 fish or something that hit our top waters and baits. And, yeah. Oh, I think it was that cold front. So they were just nipping, you know, they're popping the top waters or nipping at the baits. And Would you say that Keys has some of the best post-musky catch celebrations of anybody that you've ever been in the boat with? By far. Because it doesn't matter what size the fish is, you know. He's happy if it's a 30-inch. Our absolute absolute favorite is when he catches one and then gives a fist pump and stares down the camera. Like, let's go. Let's go. In slow motion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they replay that – Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was go just going to say that 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 one that he just replayed recently of his giant Lake St. Clair one where he got on his knees and just put both hands up. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. <laughs> that was yeah. some crazy good emotion right there. That was that was fun to see. <laughs> For sure. That's what I like about him because he's just so excited. Every fish is a monster, you know, and he's so excited and he's been doing it for a while and he's just as excited for a 30 incher as, you know, obviously a little more when they're big like that, it's a little more exciting, but he just gets excited with any fish that comes in the boat, which makes it fun. Oh yeah. Cause once you get to that point where it's like, Oh, that's only this and that. It's... And I, I'll get, get to them point sometime but when i fish with him then i realize you know you just make it fun no matter what the size of the fish is it's still musky they smell the same and sometimes those days those small ones are just as hard to catch as a big one. Oh yeah sure yeah i mean you gotta trick them all you know they don't jump yep. in the boat so no well <laughs> i had one jump in a boat once but <laughs> <laughs> you tell really? 
Yeah. Yeah, well. yeah, I was just pulling the bait out of the water and it came flying up. It was like about a 32, 33. Missed the bait, but it flew right and landed right in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So is that yeah, when you said that, or... I'd say, yeah, actually, uh, I don't think so. Could you imagine <laughs> yeah. that happening in a tournament, like in a, in a, in right. like a tournament, you know, and all of a sudden, like, I don't even know what you do. Like, uh, we, I think we caught it. it depends how honest you are, I guess. Because <laughs> yeah. you really didn't hook it, so I, I don't think it would be legal. Yeah, but it is in your boat. But it is in your boat. Yeah, I don't know. Wow, that's a good question to ask. Uh, I don't know. Who do you ask on that one? Bring it up in Kentucky at the rules meeting. Get to the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah. I would say no, it's not legal would be my guess. But yeah. I would assume so too. Yeah. I mean, I, it's always hard because there's like some gray area, you know, like we, we haven't had this happen luckily, but like, you know, what if you, you catch one, you bring it to the, well, you don't catch it. You bring it to the boat and as you go to net it, you know, the bait pops and if it swims like two or three feet and all of a sudden it turns back and, you know, you net it or whatever, like, is that, you know, a legal catch that Gus, you're kind of squinting, you're squinting your eyes, but. Oh, that I, was I a thought you were going to say, say something. Yeah, that's a legal catch. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably Definitely. say so. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure. sure where you were going with that. I thought, I mean, yeah, I think that would be a catch too. I thought you were going to say like, you see it hooked in the mouth and then it unhooks and then gets hooked in the back. What happens oh, there? That, yeah. I think that's still a legal catch, too. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, think, I would think so, too. If I was a judge, I'd say I'd say yes. Well, I remember, I think that was Indiana and Spence. Remember uh, on the show, they had that one that was hooked in the back, and that, that was counted. Um, okay. And they just said the fish hit, and it came off, and then it got hooked in the back. Because some guys were, oh, look at it. It's hooked in the back. It was snagged, so it shouldn't have counted. But then the PMTT counted it because it, he said it was hooked. And then it walked, hook came out, and got hooked in the back. And can't control that. It's still a catch. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I had one this year that ate uh bucktail right at the top of the water. You could see it eat it in the mouth, and then – when we netted it, the bait was actually hooked in its tail. I don't know what wow. happened. Oh, yeah, that's right. That <laughs> I have no idea easy. how it happened. All of a sudden, I was like, it wasn't a big fish, and I'm like fighting it around the boat. It was just going crazy. He was doing cartwheels and whatever, and I felt like tension kind of leave. I thought I had lost a fish, but, you know, it was going so nuts, I couldn't really tell. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, this fish is, like, fighting substantially harder now. And once it showed itself, like, it was facing away from the boat and I saw the bucktail was hooked by the tail. And I was like, how in the hell did that happen? Yeah, that's nuts. You, know, you so, never know. Every time you go out musky fishing, you know, it's always something new, man. It, it is crazy. Yeah, no, it's yeah. The amount of like weird stuff that happens over time just feels like you can't make, you can't really make some of the stuff up that I feel like just randomly happens. Right. It's a crazy fish. I mean, it just the way it hits, the way it reacts to everything, it's it's different. Yeah. Nothing. And then the way they fight, and when you hook them, the crazy stuff that can happen afterwards, it's just nuts. Yeah. I guess that's why we're all here, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're all say, just yeah. as nuts as the other. <laughs> yeah. I it's crazy that. how some people, I can take some people out, and the first time they'll catch a couple fish, next thing you know, they're buying a boat lures rods, the whole everything they're yeah. just gone you know and then other yeah. people like my dad i take him on he's caught so many nice fish with me but he'd rather just go trout fishing and bluegill fishing 
he could care less if he would ever muskie fish again. So it takes mm -hmm. that special someone or something. I don't know what it is, but when you're yeah. hooked, man, I, I feel sorry for you. That's about all I can say. <laughs> sorry for the checkbook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it takes a dent into your net worth every time somebody right? falls victim to the sport of muskie fishing. There's for damn sure. And yeah, we've talked yes. to a lot of people with this podcast, like guys that are starting out, you know, and it's just like, well, have fun in three, four years from now when it's all you can think about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the cool thing is, though, we're on even playing grounds, you know. It's mm -hmm. all public lakes. We're all fishing public lakes. Like, you know, and Keith and I talked about this, too, you know, like deer hunting. All these big deer everyone gets, but they're pretty much deer farmers. You know, they got their private land. They can grow them to whatever they want. But when it comes to musky fishing, we're on public water. We're all in the mm -hmm. same boat. It's it all comes up to your knowledge. You know, yeah, we can't right. just grow our fish on my own little private lake and say, oh, look at, you know, this 55-incher, but no one else right. can fish it. I mean, granted, there are private lakes, don't get me wrong. And there are some big fish on private lakes, but 99% yeah. of them aren't. Right. Yeah, and anyone that goes out there on any given day can, you know, put a trophy in the, the net, exactly. which makes it fun. I mean, you know, you just, you just never know what you're going to get when you're out there and you've heard stories like you talked about you know guys musky eating bass baits and stuff like that i mean we had right. a guy send in a picture to us a few months ago that was bass fishing and he caught a 57 inch musky on i think it was either georgian bay or something like that and you know it ate the bass and he caught it and now he's a big musky fisherman <laughs> so, uh, yeah. anyway. now, he's hooked. now he's done yeah. Hey. Yep, he's done <laughs> poor, poor guy <laughs> so I heard you talk about earlier, I think we briefly touched on it when I asked about the quad dog. You talked about night fishing, and that's something that we barely tried to get into last year. I was curious on how much you utilize it. Is it because I've heard from some people where they're out in the water to sunset and say it's a day where like you get them to move. Maybe you might get one to eat that day, but they're just you're just moving fish. Are you going to like stick into the night a little bit, like an hour or two? Or even oh, just yeah. later? For sure, yeah. for sure. If the clients are okay with it, mm -hmm. or if I'm okay with the clients to do it, because I get some clients that no way am I staying out there after dark with them, because it's already yeah. dangerous during the day, you know, I'm <laughs> ducking and ducking. everything. So that that would not happen. But for sure, yeah, for sure. Okay. And then, and then I do book some, you know, if people want to, they want to fish into the dark. And I generally, if I've already fished with them a few years already, We'll do it too. So. Sure. And say, even if it's somebody that, uh, you know, is newer to night fishing, or maybe it's somebody that you're taking out that you've night fished with them plenty of times. What are, uh, what are some things that you're doing? Do you got like any glow tape on trolling motors? Do you got glow beads on leaders? Do you got like knots, like, uh, like a slip bobber knot in the line or something to kind of help with figure eights? You know, that's what I'm right. always curious about what people do. Cause I know some people, won't some people use like red lights or something all the time or green or I, I some, some do. I, I, I don't use any lights, um, but I do have the tape on my trolling motor pedal. I do have it oh, on my trolling yeah. motor. Yeah. Okay. I have it actually around my net. I have a couple of them around my net so I can see that, that edge. And I do use beads. Okay. But the cool. biggest, the biggest thing is just slow down. Hmm. That's the biggest night fishing tip I can give everyone is just slow down, slow it down. 
Just and I'm not fish. big on, big on ripping things. You know, okay. I'm not ripping them like I am during the day. It's slow reel, a pull, a pause. You know, on certain baits, or just a yeah. steady retrieve, but slow down. Do, and, do you, and that goes with bolts, bolt control too. Slow that bolt control way down. Don't go flying through areas like you would normally do during the day. Like Gus was saying, if you you know if you have a day where you're getting a lot of fish to move or you're seeing them on side imaging and they're not budging, and then you'll fish into the dark. Are you staying just for a couple hours? You know, getting a couple fish. Have you ever extended it deep into the night? If you have like a moon phase coming up, have you noticed I'm active at two a.m. Yeah, you, a lot of times you'll get it like right at dusk and then it'll be an hour or so afterwards. And then it might be, you know, if you have a moon phase or two, three, four hours afterwards. But generally we haven't been staying out more past midnight. Um, the older I get and just, you know, especially when you have another day, the next day you're not staying out late. It, it right. runs you right down. Have you noticed I mean, any difference between like new moon and full moon for night fishing? Like, do you prefer one over the other? I prefer the new moon for night fishing. I like it dark. But I've done very well on the moon out, too, with the moon out. So, but if it if it's my choice, I like pure darkness. Okay. Yeah, we, we tried that on new moon last year in fourth, or not, or when was it? July, mid-July. And, uh. And that was a different experience. I mean, you're if if you're on a lake with not many houses on it, your bearings for oh, where yeah. you are is that's tough. <laughs> to like yep. all of a sudden you might it might be dead flat calm and all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, I'm tipping over a little bit. <laughs> you know? Gotta keep what, it right? fog comes out and you can't see the shoreline at all. So you're fifty feet from it. Yeah, right. like just the whole casting. <laughs> and like when I do have customers, I mean, we'll fish a lot of mid lake humps and stuff because it's just a little easier to deal with. You know, when you got those steep shorelines that are close to shore, man, that is hard to cast in the pitch black like that because you have no control. You have no clue where that bait's landing. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's just tough. I mean, there's no getting around it. Right. And uh, are you, you big on multiple figure eights after dark? Oh, too? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the big for one. For sure. For sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. You know, like the guy in the front can normally see his figure eight because of the bolt lights up in the front. You know, they're red, they're red and green. You can generally okay. see a fish. And I'll tell everyone, you know, bring when you come out, come way up in front of the boat like that, and you'll see a fish down there. Every once in a while, you'll even bump them sometimes. You know, you'll bump <laughs> that fish. But Whoa. Yeah. Do you, do you run your uh, – oh, so, yeah. Yeah, it would be spooky. Um, Do you run your boat lights – right how they are because i've i've wrapped them in like a white t-shirt to to dull them a little bit just so that people don't have their eyes you know i don't know yeah like on, on, the pedal, on, on my trolling motor and pedal and stuff i put uh, electrical tape on and then okay. the back my backlight i'll put electrical tape just on the inside so it's not shining oh. super bright on us but like a bolt coming from the outside you can still see the lights but well, that's anything smart. that's shining in i'll put yeah black black uh, electrical tape yeah just on I, the gotta, inside. I gotta try that i've i've normally dampened them with like a t-shirt or something like that but you know obviously i don't, I don't want to get run over out there because right, many right. of the lakes around us you can go fast at night there's no hours on some of the lakes yep. and sometimes you never know what's out there flying around either and i suppose <laughs> even at that time it doesn't even matter if you have lights on or not but yeah i know a lot of guys you see them out there i'll be 
going across sometimes and it's pitch black also boom lights come on you know they're fishing out there with no lights on and i don't know it's just not worth it especially when you're guiding you know taking other oh, people's lights so right. we have the lights on i just put the black electrical tape on the inside so it's not like blind in you and then all the because those little red and green lights on your trolling motor through a burner and all hell at yeah. night everything just pierces your eyes at night so yeah have you ever have you ever gotten chased off the water by angry beavers before Pitch black? <laughs> no no mosquitoes yeah, yeah. We had say, a, what's, yeah. what's your night fishing bug control <laughs> i'm not a bug spray man so i just kind of put up with it i do if every once in a while i got i'll buy like the wipes and wipe whatever point i have you know but i'll put like rain gear on and whatnot and just try to cover up the best i can but i i don't like spraying down <laughs> Yeah, mosquitoes are afraid to bite you, anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> I wish that was true, man. I bust taste delicious because they get me. Yeah, but I it's... only brought I only brought up the beavers thing because we got well, we it wasn't really the uh, thing that chased us off the water, but it was kind of like the last, it's the straw that broke the camel's back, Spooky if you will. Fog. We had a yeah, we had like a we were fishing a back bay and it was real foggy and kind of like. You know, if you were setting the scene for like a, a musky horror movie, like it would probably be like the opening scene. And all of a sudden, like, you know, we're hearing our baits hit the water, but like every once in a while, you'd hear this like coosh, coosh up on shore. We're like, what the hell is going on? And we were on a lake with minimal houses. And yeah, there's a bunch of like beavers slapping their tails at us to get the hell out of there. <laughs> We got oh my over. god <laughs> like what the hell's going on <laughs> it was weird that's funny that you said musky horror show i'm just looking it up right now did you guys ever see that uh musky horror show it was actually a movie i think i heard about it once i what's the is it like blood something or what's it called yes, I'm, uh, blood hook there it is okay that's what <laughs> blood. i'm looking blood hook. oh jeez. <laughs> any good you recommend uh, no, it's pretty bad, but it's funny because it is. I think it takes place in like Hayward or something, and oh the God. guy's a musky fisherman and he hooks people and basically kills them with musky baits. And High stuff. budget film. Yeah. Blood hook. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it, was, it probably costed fifty bucks at the time. Blood hooks. Blood hook. Yeah, I, I think it's on uh, like YouTube. I just watched it like last year because I heard of it. I've seen it. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> But that's when you said musky horror show. I was like, what was that name of that show? So I just Googled it. Now we got something to watch this weekend for our little ice fishing tournament. Right. (laughs) Grab some beers and watch Bloodhook. (laughs) Sounds like a great night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we got a little uh, powwow going up this weekend. We got a bunch of buddies that we do a competition. And Gus and Brian are on a team with another guy. And then I got my two buddies that I bring up. We go three on three and a little friendly uh well not so friendly i would actually say competition <laughs> it gets pretty heated um, same water yeah same, same water same water same location nice. same spot um, same spot, same spot. you're all right in the same area yeah it's it literally is not skill dependent it's like who gets lucky and it's just i mean obviously flags it's 18 scattered. flags and obviously you know you can miss fish and that makes a big difference sometimes because every year it's been pretty close you know, within maybe a, a fish or two, and we just only tip up fish. That's all that counts. 
Okay. And Can you steal one. flags, like knock the guy over and take his flag? No, we had to rule that out pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> we had a situation one year where we had uh, we had a free-for-all on flags, <laughs> and luckily there was a lot of snow on the ice that year because it just pretty much turned into a full football game before anyone would get yeah, to that, tip up. <laughs> that one should have been filmed. That would have been good. That would, yeah. that would have been worth the price of admission right there. Oh, it's great. And, you know, there's some some big boys, too. I mean, one of the guys played tight end in college. And, you know, there's – it's uh, definitely uh, people not holding back uh, to get to that tip up. It, it got pretty nice. worthless. So, yeah, we had to start designating flags and whatever. But, you know, like if, if one hole starts getting hot, you know, there's – there's no rules that it says you can't, you know, drill right there. next to it. Drill right next yep. to it. Put one of your tip ups there. <laughs> so there's a little we, gamesmanship that goes on that we, you know, that, that is typically pretty, uh, pretty funny. Um, yeah, nice. So. You're gonna put winner on uh, online on social media who won it with the winning fish. I think we should this year. Yeah, we, we do total. Year. We do total inches. And, um, typically we'll do like a hot dog hole. That's bonus points. And, uh, we got big we'll fish pot too. Big, big fish pot muskies, you know, well, it's just Northern and walleye and, uh, yeah. And bass. So, yeah. And bass just the main, too. the main three. Yeah. Game fish. Yeah. Well, you have to now, now that you're talking about on the podcast, you're going to have to show what happened, you know? Oh Yeah. yeah. Could do so well, otherwise, everyone's going to be like, "Well, who won? <laughs> what happened?" That's true. Maybe true. do some, uh, maybe do some keys style interviews through the middle. Hey, hey oh, Ryan, yeah. what, hey, Ryan, what, what happened there? Happened? You, yeah, what happened? You just, you just missed after, your third fish of the morning. What happened, Brian? <laughs> after ten beers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be a good time. Nice. That sounds fun. I'm not yeah. an ice fisherman, but that's something that would, you know, trip my trigger. That sounds a good time. That's hmm. like our one big weekend to go do it because, yeah, we're not – I mean, Gus is getting into it a little bit now living up there, but we're we're not long for the ice fishing game. It's just, you know. Yeah, I used to, and uh, just the past 10 years or so, I just uh, – hasn't tripped my trigger. Yeah, I'm kind of there too, even being up there – even being up here with all these lakes and – access to me i'm not i'm not ice fishing much i mean i think i'm just gonna go out to check out one of the lakes that we're fishing this weekend this week that's it uh, i was fished once last week yeah trying to get the jump on you guys is it over yeah. here is that's it my by teammate you, <laughs> what's that are you guys having it by you yeah yeah it's up here yeah, in, in, nice. in, Aren't you in minnesota yeah, I'm in Minnesota, so I but I got a buddy from Milwaukee coming up, and another buddy from Appleton coming up, and that's my uh, that's my squad. One of them, you know, like really doesn't fish at all besides this weekend, and the other one is is a little bit more experienced. Um, so you know, we we got our team's a little bit of a makeshift um, squad, but uh, you know, we got high we got high morale, good good vibes on our squad, and then. Brian and Gus obviously, you know, know what they're doing, and their our buddy Jack fishes quite a bit too. Um, so they're they're uh, they're a little bit more seasoned, but you know, for whatever reason, the old guys keep taking them down. So we'll see. Oh, if that I thought it was only uh, one year. year. I think you just got us one year and <laughs> yeah. one year. Year. <laughs> <The> old guys. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, Brian, are you from uh, northern Wisconsin? Where are you from? Uh, Appleton, Green Bay. Oh, okay. Yeah. He lives in Kakana now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The young guy. Beautiful metropolitan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, we could probably put a bow on this one here tonight. Um, Unless you guys got anything else, this has been – Awesome. I mean, Brian, we've been watching you on Keys Outdoors for a long time and since you started. So awesome. Appreciate a chance it. To, to you guys watch it on KO? KO yeah, TV? I do. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Season's oh, been yeah. great. Nice. Um, you know, it's uh, every year he puts out great content and hope he continues to do it for as long as he is able to because yeah, yeah. he's a he's just a great storyteller, you know, and artist. And he'll admit he's not the greatest fisherman. Tons of people better, but he's just a great storyteller, you know. Yeah, that's his that's his job. Right. Yeah. Some of those shots are ridiculous. I mean, the time like that I would imagine goes into some of those shoots has just got to be crazy. Like you're talking about, you know, you catch a fish, you want to keep fishing. Like even just the the morning routine, filming that stuff, like that's you know, that's just a lot that goes into those episodes. It's crazy. Well, just his camera setup is you know, 20 minutes just setting up everything just to get the day going. You know, I get in a boat and I'm like, I just want to go and start casting instantly. And we got to wait. There's rule number one, not one cast until the cameras are all running and everything's going, you know, and I'm just ding, 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 ding. Yeah. I go just whoop and start casting. Does he ever have you roll some? Does he ever have you roll some B-roll at all? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we all take turns, yeah. We all okay. take turns. You know, you learn after a while, you know, I'll see something, I'll grab the camera and I'll just film or I'll put it on him or I see something, I see some eagles or something, I'll, I'll film it. Cool. So Awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah the more B-roll, you know, you don't have to use it all, but the more you have, the easier it is. And then we have those yep. times where we've had a good shoot and we're fishing so hard we have no B-roll. <laughs> those are those are really oh. bad because now we yeah. got to do tons of b-roll <laughs> after the fact yeah and his uh daughter does a lot of the editing you know and she'll okay. just bitch at him it's like it's all fish catches here there's not a there's not very much b-roll <laughs> and every time we go and he's like we gotta make sure we do b-roll we gotta make sure we do b-roll because we're always yep. just out there you know till we get the fish because you can't have a show without fish obviously you know I, he actually did one show without any fish catches, but um, that's the main goal, obviously, of a fishing yeah, show. Right. Um, that's what we've struggled need- with. I mean, we we like we'll be so set on doing a, a you know filming weekend or whatever, and and the next thing you know, we get into a pile of fish maybe later on, and we don't have the B roll or we didn't set up any of the storyline. So next thing you know, all we have is catches, or then the opposite. We'll do all this filming in the car and getting ready and all this stuff, and then we have blank on the day. It's right, like, oh, right. No. And we exactly. just scratch everything. <laughs> yep, you need a good mixture of both, you know. Yeah. So, and 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 he points it out. He's been doing it so long, so he's a master at it. So, but we have mm-hmm. failed on either side, you know. Either we didn't catch nothing, the same thing, and we had some B-roll, or we had a lot of fish catches, and we needed help on some B-roll. So, yeah, yeah makes sense. We're well, we're going to kind of get into it this year, and just kind of slowly put it all together because like max said yeah we've struggled with both ends of it fish catching no b-roll b-roll no fish catches so it's all just a learning curve for us as well 
And yeah. yeah, like you said, keys is a master. We always love watching his show and, and uh, yeah, big time. Yeah. He's, he's a good storyteller, but you know, you look at the, like we were talking uh the hunting public and stuff. I mean, they, yeah, they don't shoot deer every time, but they tell a good story. You know, they see the behind the scenes and the cars and all that. And uh, people mm-hmm. really enjoy that stuff, you know, and, and me and keys talk about that all the time. We got to get more because a few times we had flat tires and oh, the whole day was just a fiasco and we're done. And we're like, why don't we film any of this and tell the story of this trip and what we just been through. And we forgot all of it, but you know, that's stuff like that. Well, waking I- up in the morning. I love that stuff. Cause it's, it's super relatable to what we go through. I mean, we've like, I, I, I that's the reason why I think I like keys more than just the fish catching part. It's the actual whole the like, reality, the reality right. of, the episode of it right. and everything that kind of goes into that, you know, call it 43 seconds of bliss when you actually catch one, you know, there's hours of stuff that lead up to that. And, you know, we've had weekends like that too. Like when we, we try to do a trip to Hayward and Brian decides to smoke a deer on the way there and, doesn't work and And they're done that same place and like we're you know riding with the tow truck guy at 5 15 in the morning trying to get a great and that's the stuff you got to film and talk about you know because that's just part of life when we're doing what we're doing you know right yeah people love that stuff and we just keep kicking ourselves all the time when we do go through that and we're so oh crap you know we gotta do this and that and we're like why don't we film any of this and talk about it? And... <laughs> yeah. But he does catch a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So, well, we can't thank you enough. Like I said, for coming on, this is uh this has been super cool for us and um, we just really appreciate the time. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. A nice meeting you Gus this weekend. So looking yeah, forward for to sure. opener. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice meeting you this weekend. And yeah, thanks for taking the time and, and we got to get you back on because I think we could have for sure gone a lot longer. And I think for, for, uh, we'll put a pin in it for sure. And, and we'll come All back. Right. And yeah. Anytime, man. Chat with do you. Do something middle and middle of the end of the season, see how things are going or whatever. Whenever you guys want, man. All good. That's awesome. awesome. For Thanks sure. for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Um, right. Before, oh, wait, wait, wait. Before, oh, uh, before you sign off, Brian, you want to just quick, uh, give some information of how people can contact you to, uh, to book a guide trip. Oh uh, yeah. Just go to uh, schaferoutdoors.com. I have a website like I, and you can go to, um, Brian Schaefer on Facebook, Con- contact me on messenger there. That's about cool. it. Awesome. Yeah. Most of my stuff, I go through the website. So like I said, I told everyone I'm going to do a little better on social media this year. So hopefully some fishing reports or something, but I don't know. Yeah, it is tough, but well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here and, and pleasure to meet you in person. Finally, you know, at the show, I yeah, had a great sure. time and, and, uh, we'll catch up with you and, and stay in touch. So thank you so much for coming. For on. Sure. I hope you guys have a good year, man. We'll keep in touch. All right, guys, cannot thank Brian Schaefer enough for coming on the podcast and sharing his time with us here chatting about muskies, man. We just had a blast. We just, uh, we touched on a a good amount of fronts there, um, traveling, 
all the stuff in northern Wisconsin, night fishing, shooting with keys, tournaments. I don't know, man. Yeah, we covered a lot, and uh, I definitely look forward to getting back in touch with him on on maybe a recap of his season or just, you know, chatting about, you know, whatever's on our minds the next time. So with that being said, maybe quick uh quick touch on our favorite parts of the pod or stuff we learned about um whoever wants to go first yeah i'll lead us off here um one thing that kind of hit home was when he was talking about his favorite time of the year to target some big mamas and uh when he was talking about that late <laughs> june early july sandgrass <laughs> bite <laughs> I was <laughs> I was immediately starting to think about some of the bigger fish we've had, you know, in the middle of summer come up, um, you know, on lakes that we don't fish very often, but we've seen some giants in the sand grass and deeper water and clear water. Um, and they probably have fallen around that same time window. So I, I definitely would like to, you know, put some more emphasis on it, uh, especially when it's, you know, those hot sunny days in the summer and these fish are either lethargic in the weeds or not in the weeds, you know, get out to some deeper water, find that deep sand grass and grind for a big girl. (laughs) (laughs) Max, how about you? (laughs) I don't know how to follow that one up. That's a good takeaway there, Brian. Nice to hear you, uh, Actually, somebody, you know, talking to you about fishing deep water and it resonating with you <laughs> might see a new, uh, newly reformed Brian Eckel here. That's crazy. 2024 season. <laughs> Get him on the trolling motor. Sand, I don't think sandgrass grows under docks. So okay. oh. yeah. don't put me on a mission to prove you wrong, though. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> uh, I probably, a few big takeaways for me. Um, I would say, you know, just hearing about the key stuff, like I said, you know, he's a guy that we've been watching on our TVs for a long time. So it was cool just to kind of hear, you know, about him, how he got connected with the, you know, shooting uh, the keys outdoors episodes and just kind of about some of his trips and, and whatnot. And just like going over past episodes of them being like, Hey, do you, do you remember that one time? Do you remember that one time yeah. you, you did <laughs> that really like cool fan boys over here? <laughs> Like, it felt like, you know, yeah, you remember that time you caught a big fish and that was cool. Um, so yeah. that, that was, uh, that was pretty fun to like, just kind of shoot the shit with him about that. Um, as far as like tips, I think the biggest one that I took away probably just cause it's the closest to us is, um, you know, fishing, fishing some big stuff on opener and not being afraid to, you know, go after some larger, larger fish, um, you know, types of yeah. different bodies of water to fish during opener that they, I thought that was all really good. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff I took away, but just, you know, those, I guess, were some highlights. Gus, what about yourself? Yeah, I definitely like that takeaway. Maybe, maybe we should try popping over to some flowages, maybe getting after some fish in different, different uh, stages of, you know, because everyone wants to, you know, figure out that exact pattern for that post-spawn period. It can be tough. It can be really good. So I think if we kind of add that to our to our repertoire, I think that would be pretty cool. I mean, obviously, we're going to stay very, very mobile on, on opener, as we always do. But, uh, yeah, not being afraid to throw big baits big time. Um, I definitely, definitely liked him talking about some of that night fishing stuff. That was definitely some pretty pretty good knowledge there um 
because you know everyone just says oh just go fishing to the night but you know nobody really always talks about kind of like the tips because it's intimidating for sure you know the extra extra figure eights are key slow everything down you know glow tape here tape over the lights make sure you're not blind the the electrical tape over the one half of the backlight seemed pretty pretty uh pretty spot on here and uh yeah that was all good stuff he was uh he was an absolute wealth of knowledge there big time yeah couldn't agree more well yeah that was uh i guess in the podcasting biz they call guests like that you know great white buffaloes it's like man i got it you know you, you know you guys you guys are looking at me very blank faced right now <laughs> i've never heard of that i've never, never heard of that term before no it's like you know the uh well you know the analogy great white buffalo you never heard that before nah great white shark you mean no it's like yeah. um <laughs> yeah, i guess like you never thought you'd get him on all right well, whatever it's like a like, unicorn i yeah well, like a good you know yeah you just cut this I, I got you now 20 point <laughs> book we should probably yeah. read a book one of these days maybe yeah go read go read read some books um yeah no it was uh yeah great interview glad glad uh glad he hopped on with us um but we got some competition here this weekend boys finally getting some competitive yep. juices flowing again in the fishing world even though it's on some hard water and we're not going after muskies nonetheless still gonna be uh it's gonna be some fun so what uh what are some predictions? What are you guys feeling for this weekend? It looks like it's going to be brutally cold on Friday. And I don't know why you keep saying Saturday. that. Learn it's, how it's to not read bad. some weather. Dog, we're, I mean, we've been, we've been getting spoiled this winter. And winter's past. We've been, you know, dealing with <laughs> zero degrees, negative 10 wind chills. I mean, I, I think we'll be just fine. Yeah, it's going to feel a little bit colder than the last month has felt. Just got to put the, put the big boy pants on and go lead your team. All right? All right. All right, that's my partsy right there, my partner <laughs> right enough. there. Nothing but PVO out there, positive yeah. vibes only. Yeah, it's always, always uh, PVO for you, Brian. That's for sure. That's facts. And I'm not saying it's not going to be a challenge. I, I Gus, you have a talent. How many fish were caught last year in our tournament? We I think Max. Last yeah, last year was tough, but I think Max is one of Max's partners. Uh, T Wet, he's got the 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 board of all the fish numbers. Oh yeah. We go by, cause we just go by total inches. Um, mm-hmm. I was just thinking like a Vegas line set for total fish caught total oh. fish registered in the tourney. I mean, I'm thinking probably go team by team. What, what's uh, the lines for uh, each team line you, you, for, you can just do fish numbers. Cause if you tried to add up inches in your head right now, yeah, no, I'm not be, doing inches. Be line. Here for a long, yeah. We'd be here for a long time. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin with that. But uh, for Gus, me, and Jack, I think our total fish line for the two-day excursion, man, we're probably looking at 27 and a half fish. Nice. Um, and I think uh, I think Max and the uh, old heads over there probably looking somewhere in the 24 and a half ballpark. Yep. Uh, yep. Well, <laughs> well, okay. And I mean, I don't know what Vegas is thinking. Then I mean, we're we're coming off a dub, so you I don't calling know it free how... money. I mean, I'm not apparently to you. It's I don't know. I mean, shit. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I guess I don't disagree. You guys, you know, you're young. You're spry. You got younger legs. You know, you got three season fishermen. Three three season ice fishermen. 
on your squad. You know, we got to be dealing with some external elements on our team. Um, <laughs> what you mean by that, dog? But, uh, no, I mean, wait, look, uh, you know, my squad, I got my guy T-Wet, T-Wet, and I got my guy Lanky Big J. Shout out. Shout out. Like and you. Lanky J fishes, you know, about once or twice a year, this weekend <laughs> being one of the times. And I'll say this. I mean, he he's a great ice fisherman. Guy knows how to pull northern through the hole. Um, yeah. I'm a little bit worried about if we got onto like a walleye bite on one of the lakes we're going to. It, you know, it's a good population of walleye in there. So a little bit more nervous if, you know, if, if I get him into a pile of walleye just because you know, I feel like he's uh, he's an aggressive ice fisherman. You know, he really mm-hmm. – he, he leaves no, no doubt mercy. When, he, yeah. when he sets the hook. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I feel really good coming off the win last year. I think we can repeat. No reason why we couldn't. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to, you know, just a little friendly competition. That's yeah, all. very friendly. Very friendly. Should be good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. Not enough not enough snow really this year to be doing too many tackles out there. Uh, you know, some years we've had some pretty high snow out there to be able to just tackle. We're probably going to be dealing with some either wind drifts and bald spots, but that's probably not going to stop us, of course, so. Wouldn't be surprised if somebody goes on concussion protocol by Saturday evening, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just part of it. You know, it's just gotta, like Brian said, you know, positive vibes only you get knocked down on the ice and bang up your, you know, bang up your arm. You got a bad wing or something. You just gotta, you gotta press on. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. We don't have a, we don't have anybody on the bench, you know, ready to come out and join the squad. It's all we got three on three. And I'm sure probably no one really cares, but I think we'll probably do like some sort of live leaderboard, you know, maybe yeah. see, see if anybody yeah, gets to. into it Yeah, on the... this weekend. We'll do some, on self, tap. some stuff on there. Muskie's on tap Instagram. We'll do a, we'll do a live update on stories Friday and Saturday tournaments all day, Friday, all day, Saturday for the total inches. The fish that count are going to be pike walleye and then bass you know largemouth or smallmouth um tip up fishing only running some shiners and suckers you know little walleye suckers out there and uh yeah just seeing seeing what bites and uh looking forward to that and we'll give a recap on uh, the next pot as well you know for those that do maybe care we'll just throw it at the end of the podcast and care so we don't bore yeah. anybody who doesn't like ice fishing right from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Don't uh, don't be afraid to slide in those DMs either on Friday, Saturday. Talk some shit. You know, doors open. So predictions on which squad's gonna win, the uh, young heads or the old heads. Yeah, we'll we'll embrace all the chatter. So maybe we'll even uh, mess around and go live again. <laughs> <laughs> that turned out well last time. <laughs> all right, fellas. Well, I think that uh probably wraps it up here tonight another long one um sorry gus for doing that to you again but uh people seem to be enjoying some of the longer formats for the winter months you know gives them it's I, I don't mind it you know it's fun to sit down and chat with you guys and especially when you get a guest like brian on and you know the guests we've been able to have it's been a blast just chatting muskies helping us get through this uh this winter yeah i fully agree there and yeah, like I said before, follow us on Muskies on Tap and Instagram. You know, my guide service is Suggs Fishing at Instagram and Suggs Fishing Guide Service on Facebook. Hit me up about any inquiries on getting out on the boat this next summer. 
But with that being said, let's have none other than our very own Brian Eckel here take us away to end the podcast. All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening to this episode. Shout out to Brian Schaefer for coming on, an absolute musky icon in the industry. Cannot wait to go see more of his videos with Keys this winter. Check them out as they come out every Sunday morning. We have the fishing <laughs> marathon this weekend. Gus and I take on your very own Max Manti and his pair of old, old friends, man. I'm just worried about Jason having another knee injury. If we have to attend to him on the ice, it could get ugly. Stay tuned to see the final results. It might be a blowout. Peace. <laughs> Peace.